This is Matt Brown, and you're listening to Just a Good Conversation. Coming to America is not a movie in the fam house. It's what happened to Christine Pham's parents and siblings as they left Vietnam for a better life. After finally settling down a little Saigon in Southern California, young Christine found the wonderful food her mother was making. And of course, she found fashion. I knew in my heart that even if it didn't go any further, I had gained so much from this experience because of all the reflection that I had to do. And I felt so much gratitude because I was thinking about my family and like where I came from. And like my parents had both passed away at this time. And I was just thinking about, you know, where they grew up and coming from Vietnam as like refugees coming to America. I'm Matt Brown, host of Just a Good Conversation. Take a listen to our archives. My guests have ranged from Oscar winners, Hall of Fame basketball players, teachers, sports writers, and Olympic softball gold medal winner, Jenny Topping. Getting on that podium, you're trying to put it together. Like, what is... And I just remember, what is what is the point of this? Having that feeling. And, you know, I'm bending down and they're putting the gold medal around my neck. And I look up into the stands and my parents and my sister and her boyfriend at the time and an aunt are all just, just bawling. They're crying. And... I, I sort of put it together. I was like, wow, this is, this is, you know, at that time, this is, this was my give back to my family who sacrificed everything for me. The rest of my conversation with Jenny can be found at our archives at justagoodconversation.com. Let's take a quick break for a sponsor before diving into my conversation with Christina Pham. How are you? I am good. The sun's shining after a week of rain, but uh, yeah, can't complain. Christina, you look gorgeous. Thank you. What are you doing? Um, you know, just feeling a little <laughs> tired, so I'm wearing red lipstick. Kind of pulls it together. It works for you. Yeah. Last time I saw those red lips, you were at a wedding. I know. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, it was, I saw you the, the morning after, so. Oh. Yeah. You might have had some still on. <laughs> yeah. I feel like sometimes red lipstick just kind of just takes it up a notch when I'm feeling like I need a little bit of energy. It works. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. You sh- like, oh, a four-year-old, got to wear red lipstick a little bit more these days. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Throw on some heels once in a while, some red lipstick. Yeah. It'll give a little pep in your step. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. Under eye concealer and red lipstick, ladies. <laughs> Is that your sliding I feel, go-to? I feel like I could do anything with eye <laughs> under eye concealer <laughs> and red lipstick, or at least I look like I can do anything. <laughs> all it is right it's it's better to look good than to feel good no no, no. Oh, that's a old it's Billy most Crystal important line. to feel good but sometimes it's fun to also look good yeah, well, of course <laughs> so I, I have when I first started at Incipio mm-hmm. you were pregnant I sure was yes yes so you were this mystery woman was I yes because you were <laughs> like I'm gonna leave I'm gonna give birth to a baby soon so I think we worked I don't even think we worked together I just saw this pregnant glowing woman in that little cubicle space <laughs> they gave you guys in the kitchen for like two weeks and then you were gone yeah but wow. Jordan and Donnie both said like that's the one to work with oh I love them I miss them too yeah yeah so we didn't even get to work with each other until you really came back tired tired and like (laughs) and then it was just like chaos by the time you came back yes we were we were going pretty fast and hard there it was it was bonkers yeah but it was a lot of fun for sure doing those photo shoots (laughs) 
So, so tell because you were always very impressive to me in the way you you dressed, your food. Like I said before, we hit start, all that stuff. Tell me about your beginning. Where did your life begin and set you in this path to being the person you are today? To meeting you. No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you grew up white. Where? I grew up in Midway City, which is this tiny little city that sits nestled in Westminster, which is okay. also known as Little Saigon. Right. So it's a huge... Uh, born refugee. and raised? Uh, no, I was actually born in Memphis, Tennessee. Okay, that's very natural. Yeah. <laughs> Well, How did mom and dad get to Memphis, Tennessee? Well, mom and dad were refugees during the war, and they were sponsored by a wonderful couple in uh, Tennessee. And so they came from the refugee camp to Tennessee, and I was conceived. Three years later, I think my mom, being from a tropical climate in the winters, was like, I, I need different weather. About Yes. <laughs> and so my dad brought my huge family uh, Eight children and themselves out eight west. Children, you yeah. Wowza. I have five brothers and two sisters, and I'm also the youngest and only um, American-born child of theirs. Whoa! <laughs> wow. So, I mean, why did they pick Westminster? Was it because of the overwhelming population of Vietnamese that live in that area? Yes, I think coming from Tennessee, and they've only had wonderful things to say about how welcoming the people were, but I think they were probably longing for a community that was more familiar. The weather, too. They, yes, I mean, I mean, I mean, let's say. Anyone. California right, if weather. it's tropical and your mom has now shoveling snow in December with kids, yes, that's not fun. Yeah, yeah. I think the weather was definitely a big part of it, but the community and you know, familiar language and the culture, just to have some portions of their old home, you know, around them in America was, I assume, a big part of it, too. How was it growing up then in a very dense Vietnamese community? Um, you know, now that I'm older and I just look back, I am so grateful. I think I didn't really think much about it because I was so, like, submersed into it. Um like that was like a lunar new year that was just you know everybody around me celebrated <laughs> sure. you know and the food the Vietnamese food around oh. was so accessible and just to see my parents in more of their like natural element I guess and I think I didn't really think much about it but now that I'm older I just realized how much more exposure I had to my own culture being in that sort of environment versus you know, if I was in Tennessee still, right, it would just be a little bit less exposure to... Oh, it'd be a lot less. Yes. I mean, it would be really just in the house or maybe one or two friends that happened to Vietnamese, Vietnamese that your parents even found. Yes. And I think also, like, um, I was born in America, but I was able to pick up a lot of the language just, you know, being in my home. And I would speak it with friends and friends' parents, and I'm not sure if I would have that same uh, language capability if I were in Tennessee. <laughs> right. Was Vietnamese spoken in the house? Yes. 100%? Uh, yes. I think as I got older into my teen years, um, we had more, you know, friends at school and a lot more TV. And my parents tried to have us only speak Vietnamese. And it became like this game to like, you know, like it was like a game like you weren't allowed to use an English word because I think they were they were hoping that we wouldn't lose it, you know, and right. it was so easy. And I think me and my siblings and even my cousins would make a, a game out of it. And it just became, you know, just a part of our childhood 
playtime, you know. That is very interesting because when I was at the register and when I have to, when had to go there, I thought it was paradise because it was so not Orange County. In, Little in, Saigon. Oh, okay. I'm like, right. Vietnam? <laughs> no, no. Just being like, it was... It was definitely not your Huntington Beach or your Brea. Or, mm-hmm. I mean, it was a little world all in this little county yeah. all to itself. And they were super nice. I did stuff at the TV station and the radio station. And I had to do the New Year. And the, the food was always fantastic. This hidden gem. And so affordable. Oh, my God. Yeah. You can hit up Phut two in the morning for uh-huh. like five bucks. Yeah. You buy a sandwich, you get two, you get one free. Yeah. So good. That's been a little bit harder to come by with the inflation, but yeah, I know growing up, like, buy two, because you'll get one free. <laughs> <laughs> what, okay, so where then did your passion or creativity start to push you into clothing? Well, I think growing up with immigrant refugee parents, you know, stability and, you know, making a good living was always very important. You know, they just wanted us to have, like, a a stable, solid lifestyle, and I just always thought, like, well, I don't really want to be a doctor or a lawyer, an accountant. I might, my soul might die if I become an accountant, you know, like, and, you know, I I have friends who are accountants. I love them, but I just knew, even from a young age, like, I I always wanted to do more creative things, and, um, you know, we didn't have a lot of extra money to go into like piano lessons or dance lessons or not with that many kids no good lord (laughs) just all these things now that I'm a mom that I am able to give to my daughter Opal I just you know a part of it is just you know these things that I longed to do when I was young like eight years old like I want to do piano lessons and I had friends that would complain about about it and that's all I wanted to do and I think I was always searching for that creative outlet and Um, I think I tried music when we got to middle school in just the band in middle school. And I played the flute. I played Uh, the the flute. flute. Ah. I dabbled with the piccolo. Um, I picked up a clarinet and just the sucking on the reed just kind of grossed me out. So I stuck with the flute and, you know, it was fun. I just, I knew it wasn't my calling, but it was definitely like a fun, less academic activity for me. Was anybody else playing instruments in the house? Um, I had a brother who picked up the saxophone in college. Okay. Um, I just knew I didn't want to play the saxophone. I wasn't really a big Kenny G fan, you know. And uh, I think whenever we had the opportunity to do something more either artistic or creative, I always really was drawn to it. And um, I wanted to take art in high school, but I was in this like math and science-based program that really didn't allot for time to do. Um, art, but I did join like photography club and there was just like this whole world out there that I knew I wanted to explore and I just didn't know when would be the right time for me to really jump in. Okay. I got to high school, you know, again with the math and science program, um, you know, our high school was just brilliant at like, uh, what high school? Westminster high school. So we were in the merits program. So, uh, it's just a very, um, math and science oriented program and you know I had a lot of friends that were brilliant for being teenagers you know like they uh you know going to Stanford or UCLA or whatever they decided to study and a lot of them went you know pre-med studying biology and I just felt like a failure because I'm like I don't care about any of this you know I I'm really happy that you will you know become 
essential to our society, but I just know there isn't a fiber in my body that will really drive me to become a doctor and again, a lawyer or an accountant. And I think I knew I wanted to do something creative, but it always felt so far-fetched, you know, a little almost unrealistic to even some friends' parents. Like, are you sure you want to do fashion? Like, that doesn't seem like a good place to find a stable career. And I just... It's very foreign to people. Yes. And I think for me, I didn't know how I was going to come together, but I think my parents were just happy that I was going to go to college. And so, you know, you stay out of trouble, you go to college, you can study whatever you want. And so I declared my major my senior year when I was applying... Um, fashion design in textiles and design and then uh, merchandising. I think I was like lying to myself, like, I'll study business to be more uh, responsible, but well-rounded. Yeah. That never stuck. I think it was just like a, like a deflective card I would pull when parents are like, you're studying fashion. You know, I, I ended up getting into a state school and going there and do have a four-year degree. But um, yeah, I think it was really exciting for me to realize that there is a path for me that wasn't the same as all my friends. It was a little nerve-wracking because, you know, they were all well on their way to study biology, pre-med, and and I was like, I'm going to study design. And I'm really glad that I kind of went with my gut instead of following the pack. Were, were you a young girl who was like, I'm very picky on what I wear. I like colors. I like, I like this. I like that. Was that um, kind of like a, a guide for you into fashion or I, what mom wore or your sisters? I think so. I mean, I always like um, my mom would always let me do her hair and like pick out her outfits or like suggest jackets. Really? Know? Yeah. She was very open to those suggestions for me and. <laughs> Um, I always just obsessed over magazines when magazines were a thing, you know, (laughs) I'm a millennial. So we definitely had like paper Vogue in hand and um, it just kind of let me daydream in this like whole world that just felt really far away for me. And do you miss the magazines, the ability to just kind of ruffle through, not swipe, but look and dog ear and tear off. Yes. There is something about just tearing something out and like sticking it on like a cork board and just kind of like marinating on it that I feel there's just a, there's just something about it that just feels real special and inspiring, you know? And, but the other side of me is just like, that is not very (laughs) eco-friendly, you know, (laughs) like I'm trying to be. The hell with (laughs) eco-friendly. There's nothing better than going through a magazine. There isn't. I used to love it. Yeah. I would have to tear out all those like cologne ads, remember? Or yes. perfume ads because yes. they would stink up the whole book. But, right. Yeah. Yeah. You're going, there's, there's Ralph Lauren and there's Chanel and there's this and that. You just tear all those yeah. out. Yeah. It was nice to just like finger through this book that someone had put together for you to like experience. And that Vogue September issue was like yes. the Bible. The thing was huge. Huge. Yes. kind of wish I had some now. Oh. I got to go to the library. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean... <laughs> It was this thing where, especially when I was starting out, you would see stuff that you would never have thought of. That color palette, that cut, that dress, that lighting. It was really for, you know, starting out when you looked at when you were 12, 13, 14, it was really magical. Yes. And I feel like before social media and I mean, even, okay, I'm going to date myself, but (laughs) even before the internet was so easily accessible, you know, you can get Wi-Fi everywhere. I just felt like 
things moved a little slower. And so you could kind of sit with it a little bit longer and enjoy them before moving on to the next thing. And now I feel like it is, is, it is evolving so fast that you can't really take in everything that either the designer or like the brand is trying to put out there for you to experience. You know, it's always like swipe, 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 and we're on to the next. Right. Yeah. It's nuclear. What, what was your go-to magazine? Well, when I was like in high school, middle school, I love YM. I always took the okay. quizzes to see like who my crush would be or like, you know, if Josh Hartnett was like my uh, ideal celebrity crush or my horoscopes, you know, live and die by that horoscope. Sure. Oh. Yeah. Telling me my color was orange or whatever it is. You know, there was like a playfulness. Who, who about was it. the crush? Uh, Did you always end up like not being the one or were you nailing it? I can't even remember. I just remember taking the quiz and just being like Those were so daydreaming. Fun, they were so fun. I think it there was like an innocence about it because we were trying to be like these like sophisticated. Um, 14 year olds. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but you're just really daydreaming about like puppy dogs and like celebrities yeah. and stuff. And, and you're totally goofy. Your body's like a mess. You're yeah. sweating and you stink and you yeah. have no idea. Your feelings and yeah, your, your hormones feelings are all hormones over the place. Raging. Yes. And so it was just like this, this like guy to like the wild west of being like a teenager, you know? And then when I got a little bit older, I mean, when you Vogue, matured, yes, sure. I guess you can call it matured, but seventeen, yeah. Vogue was definitely. <laughs> I I used to go to Barnes and Nobles <sighs> and just sit there because the magazines were so expensive and we didn't have any money. Right. It was just like looking through the the what do we call them issue, right. the magazine issue, and just you know thinking about high fashion and daydreaming about colors and prints and you know things that you may not be able to buy but you would aspire and it would kind of just trickle down and find its way into our life later you know right now the vietnamese culture is a very vibrant colorful culture very did very. that help kind of like spark creativity side of you um i think so i mean i think my dad was um a jack of all trades i would say um he was very crafty um, in a like carpentry type way, like he loved koi gardens and figurines, and he we we were practicing Buddhists, and we have the shrines to honor our ancestors. And my dad went to town on those things, and I think I would say ours was like the biggest in the neighborhood, just because he just kept adding on to it. And uh, yeah, I think I would say there was definitely a lot of color in our home growing up, and. I think now, like, I'm never afraid of color. I would say that I I do love, like, simple and muted colors, but I'm never afraid to really jump in into really vibrant things because there's so much joy in it, you know? Right, right. Yeah, and some people are, fe are fearful of color or patterns or stripes or whatever. Yeah. And especially if, like, if they wore something when they were 22, someone makes a comment, and they're like, I'm never going to wear that again. Yeah. That Paisley shirt's... In the trash. Yeah. But it's so silly because it could be everything from just some smile, you know, stupid comment to mm -hmm. the way you just perceived yourself. People are so interesting on the way they get fashion conscious and they get stuck to a time period. Yes. I think, I think it's also like fashion is such a vulnerable place for some people. I think um, it's, you know, it's like representative of who you are and how you want to... Um, show the world who you are and I think that makes people feel really vulnerable and for me it's just like 
a fun tool to sort of express yourself in. Yeah, I mean, there's tons of yellow and red whenever I just think of, like, whatever my parents decorated with for special occasions or just in our home or when they took me back to Vietnam. It was just, like, so many beautiful yellow flowers, like, red for every special occasion, weddings, right. like, New Year, and, yeah, it just it's just joyful, you know, I think in the right place. I mean, I am, like... I love black and everything, girl, but if it comes in black and pink, like, I want black and pink, you know, or, like, I'll buy the yellow one, but I'll also take home the beige one, you know, like, I'm not afraid of it. It's definitely a nice option. When you're in college and you're starting to say, okay, fashion's going to be my thing, Mm -hmm. what, you know, because saying that, you can be all over the place. Mm -hmm. Where where are you thinking? Are you thinking designing? Or, I mean, where? What's your... So when I started college, I think in my heart, I knew I wanted to design. And I I think I was so timid with what I wanted when I was, what, 18, that I said, you know, I'm going to study fashion, like maybe I'll do development or be on the business side. And I was saying these things out loud, (laughs) but in my heart, you know, I knew I wanted to design. I think I just had to keep my options open in case it was as difficult to find like stable work or an opportunity like these parents had, you know, not my parents particularly because like going to college was just like awesome and just any full-time job would probably make them happy. Right, so right. I think it was like the parents of the doctors that were like, are you sure about this? And so I would kind of lead with like, oh, I could do, <laughs> I could do business in fashion or, no problem. or something. But yeah, I think um, when I was in college and I started internships and I was saying the same dialogue, you know, like, um, I studied design, but I, I would be open to doing all these things, and I did end up doing those things, and that just kind of made it clear in my head that I did not want to do these things, and that my heart was in design, and if I was going to stay in fashion, like, I had to say what I wanted out loud, you know? Were you bold enough to think you wanted to work for a house or create one, or where was your path? Um, you know, it's funny because I grew up in Southern California, and... Um, I would say when I was a teenager, like action sports was definitely such a huge part of our our culture it's and in our Orange lifestyle. County. Yes, yes and in definitely. Orange County, and I think it was really fun to. And we don't have seasons. No, we don't. You can wear flip flops in November. Yes, yes. So and that, if I design a jacket, it doesn't necessarily have right. to be warm. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. So do you think that would affect you if you grew up in Chicago or New York or the Eaton, you know, the Northeast? Where I think so. I, I think I, I did toy around with the idea of moving to New York and pursuing that fashion dream. Um, I actually had a, um, uh, I had a deposit on a small New York apartment for a, like a summer program to go and do an internship or just like explore and see opportunities and do the East Coast thing, but before I even left, I landed uh, a job in California, and so I ended up canceling that trip, losing my deposit, which (laughs) felt so major when I had no money and student loans, but um, I stayed in California, and, you know, it had been such a rewarding experience. I just, I got to stay sort of in my comfort zone and then sort of explore in a very um nurturing environment um I have never gone into high fashion in my time in the industry and I I've had so much fun that I don't regret exploring it I think there is a part of me that 
imagine it would have been a very different experience. And I just feel like there was so much fun to be had here and um, we're able to explore fun designs and prints and travel the world and get inspired. So I'm sure it would have definitely been a different path and experience, but... I mean, I've always felt, maybe I'm crazy, you can call me crazy, that <laughs> California fashion, especially Southern California fashion, has been yes. very, is very lazy. I would say casual, yeah. more so than lazy. I mean, because <laughs> you can be in New York right now. If you and I are in New York and yes. we're going to go for a walk, we're yes. not wearing what we're wearing. No. We're going to button up. We're going to wear clothes. Well, I would say from a design standpoint that it's also because they have seasons there. Right. And it's more fun to layer and dress up when you're not sweating through your clothes. Right. Especially when you have a spring and there's there's yes. a breeze in the air and you can wear a dress again because you've been wearing pants and boots all winter. Yes. Like it really does mean something. There is a there is a different city sophistication there in New York oh. that I do love and I like to play it up a little bit when I visit, you know, just because we don't get to do that here. Right. I mean I don't I barely even get to wear a scarf here, so Right. And when you do it you're it's silly. It's you're trying to press it, it's you know, April and you're like, No, it's a little chilly outside. Yeah. So I would say that you know, I, I would say New Yorkers might say that California style is a bit lazy or casual, but you know, on the flip side, it is quite relaxed and so it kind of allows you to relax a little bit more and be more playful because you know the sun is shining would you like though to have a closet where you go oh my coats my sweaters i mean i do have that closet because i did live in seattle for a few years and so i actually needed jackets that but kept you need warm. to dust those off yeah i mean they are a little <laughs> vacuum sealed and probably dusty now but um i do appreciate a beautifully made coat with you know, beautiful wool fabrics or um, cashmere sweaters, but actually, yeah, we wear cashmere in California. Yes, cashmere well, right it's, it's the last you know two months. It's yeah. really we've had a winter. Yeah, I mean, look at these mountains. It looks like the Matterhorn out I, there. It snowed. Well, I don't know if that's actually snow, but it snowed in Fullerton, right? It's like fluffy. Did you hail. get some in West? Where you're at? And well, uh, I was in uh, uh, Costa Mesa. Costa Mesa at the mm -hmm. time. Yeah. Did you get some? Yes, and we all ran to the door like it was Santa Claus and. It was just like such a fun moment because we don't get that here. It, yeah, for five minutes, it was really crazy. Yeah, I'm kind of mad that I didn't wear my winter jacket. It was like, it was like the 20 minutes a year that I could wear it. You know. Yeah, it's vacuum sealed in the closet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> beautiful. Just like a designer long coat, lined with wool. <laughs> okay, so you talked about you. You know, you ended up going into that path where it's California, it's action. Mm -hmm. Was there ever in your mind, though, I want to break away? I want to go and try maybe undergarments, shoes, you know, coats, or was, was, was there ever that for you? Um, I think so. I think there's always that, um, is the grass greener or like what's over there, you know, the, the mystery of what you haven't done. So I would say definitely, um, you know, when the first company I worked for, I was there for six and a half years. And they nurtured me through an intern. That's to a long a time for, for your first job, six and a half years. Yes. So you know that I had a ton of fun there. Right. <laughs> and it wasn't until um, I started getting serious with my boyfriend, now husband, that was living in Seattle that Boys. I decided to leave. Yes. Boys. <laughs> Trouble. Yeah, it was a good one though. Totally worth right. it. Right, it ended up working out. It wasn't just an ex-boyfriend. Yes, yes. I think I think with that 
I decided, you know, it was time to sort of leave this like really nurturing but comfortable space and try something new. I've never lived, I don't remember living out of California before. So, you know, I spent most of my life in Southern California and moving to Seattle was, you know, this new adventure um, in all aspects, love, relationship, career. Um, I ended up moving um, into Seattle and getting a job working for a private label brand for a retailer, which was like a very different experience. It was more um, like retail strategy focus versus like brand and inspirational. Was putting your butt in Seattle with that weather, did that inspire your fashion sense and idea of like in the design? Like, ooh, I, I like this, I like this. Was that any kind of... Well, the funny thing is, is I, I felt like I was already so, you know, knee deep in fashion. And when I moved to Seattle, I did get to sort of explore a little bit more um, of the fashion sense where it's like we had seasons and I mean honestly when I moved to Seattle right. like the only long sleeves I had were sheer and so they weren't doing anything <laughs> they and look great yeah they look great but I needed you know like like functional <laughs> fashion you know I could buy a sweater that actually kept me warm and you know these beautiful things that I never really shopped in the past because you couldn't wear them it, mm-hmm. you would look ridiculous right. here yeah I mean you would look fabulous but you'd be sweating and then you would look ridiculous right. <laughs> But I would say when I moved to Seattle, and I think this is me being sort of plucked out of my, you know, comfortable environment that I had always been in with, like, my same friends and the same routine. And I was in this brand new city with amazing restaurants and resources. And I feel like that's kind of the point where I really got to explore, like, how much I love food, actually, more than fashion. Yeah, that Terry, you being torn away from here, mm-hmm. being plunked there with a love. Yes. Does kind of make you have to assimilate, get into the city. Yes, you have to explore, you know, your new grocery stores, your new bars and restaurants and, you know. Their food, all the time. You're talking about a whole different palette yes, of food. a whole new world of food. Like, you know, Orange County has amazing, amazing food, but you go to the Pacific Northwest and... There's seafood and there are oysters and just, just the plentiful. Whole, I mean, we're yes. talking massive salmon, all Beautiful. kinds of fish. Yes, and I think there was also you appreciate the food you have around you because of the seasons. You mm-hmm. know, California, you can have strawberries all the time. You know, maybe in December they're not that good, but you can get some. You, yeah, right. And they're from Chile or wherever, right. but you can get it. And I think the beautiful thing about Seattle is that they really do embrace the seasons, as tough as some of them are, and they embrace right. the... Oysters only... These oysters are only at this time of the mm-hmm. year. Or, like, the tomatoes are beautiful right now. Like, eat them up, you right. know? And I just... I think that kind of woke something up in me. I had always had this curiosity around food, you know? I think I was pursuing my passion for design and going down this career path and you know at this time it was getting close to like 10 years into it and there was just this joy I had from like cooking for my friends and for my boyfriend now husband and you know wanting to curate these dinner parties and going to farmers markets and like nerding out about the different types of mushrooms they're growing and I mean like nerding out I would just like I would rather go to this farmers market than a mall you know I'll probably go to the mall too but the farmers Afterwards, market yes yeah. <laughs> now how was dinner at your house was mom making meals for everybody and so yes 
definitely. Um, and was she, was it Vietnamese rich or did she kind of expect like tonight we're doing pasta? Uh, well, <laughs> that's so funny you say that because she would definitely cook mostly Vietnamese food. But once in a while, she would make spaghetti. Like her spaghetti menu was like a, or I'm sorry, her spaghetti recipe was like a, like a prego with a, like stir fried hamburger meat, and I loved it. It was just her spaghetti, you know, nothing special, but I loved it. You loved it because mom made it. Yeah, straight right. from the jar. Right. You know, didn't matter. Yeah, so I think she definitely did try to, you know, offer things that we had enjoyed in our American culture, but, you know, she did do a lot of, like, beautiful things that I didn't realize how special they were until I tried to make them myself as I got older. Like, wow, this took so many ingredients and so much time. Like, she would make pho from scratch at home. I know, and I'm just like, pho again, you know, (laughs) just like this brat that didn't understand, like, how how many, like, beautiful steps there were in making that, or she would make us um, this dish called... um, uh, what's it called? It's called Tadkot Young, which is braised pork belly with eggs, and there's just like caramelized shallots and green onion fish sauce that yeah. you stew just yeah. for hours, and it becomes tender, and the sauce is like caramelized, and you just spoon it over rice, and it's just like the most comforting dish ever. And I just, you know, I would eat it up. It was like one of my favorite dishes, but I just never stopped to think how much time or care she put into making these dishes or like Ben Bao she would make dozens of them I mean she had to there were so many of them right yeah sure <laughs> yeah and you know for special occasions or birthdays like she would do like fried shrimp and hundreds of egg rolls or just oh you know yeah I just there was food everywhere all the time was she the primary cook or did dad get in there and help at all I mean dad tried but but she was the she yeah. was the main yeah was dinner at a normal time like a five six o'clock time um, I'm trying to remember as a kid. Yeah, I would say it was pretty early, like six o'clock. So she had to start cooking pretty early in the day. I mean, she didn't start at 4.30. She had to start early. Yes. And well, she was a stay-at-home mom because she had to wrangle all of us. Oh, you know? yeah. Jesus <laughs> Christ. Yeah, but there was always a pot of something going on the stove. Wow. It's yeah. interesting when we look back, we have no idea we're 12 or 10 or 15, whatever. Yeah. Uh, something's on the stove. <laughs> yeah. And then you're like, now later we're adulting and we're like, holy crap. Yes. That's a lot of spice mom had to put in here and <laughs> mix up and stew and broth. And and all these boring ingredients that she would buy from the Vietnamese grocery store. And I, you know, I just want like egos and right, yeah. pizza bites or bagel bites or whatever yeah. it was at the times like gushers. And, yeah. you know, she's buying all these fresh herbs. Can we herbs. get Cheetos, please? Yes. <laughs> Fresh herbs, like greens, like chilies, all these things that I I search for now as an adult. Like, you know, that, that was always in my house. Are those markets still available? Yes, they are. Okay. Yes. That's good. Thank They're goodness. still around, thank goodness. Yes. Some of the names have changed, but yes, they right. are. <laughs> so the Seattle path mm-hmm. really opened up food back for you again. Yeah, I think I think it had always been open, but it wasn't really something that I awakened. Was, yes, because the funny thing about the food thing is, before I moved to Seattle, I was also, I guess, would you call it moonlighting at this um, pop up supper club in Venice? Okay. Um, in California, Venice, LA, um, it was this uh, dinner pop up called. Um, why am I spacing on the name? 
I knew I should have had coffee this morning. <laughs> it must be a great place. Um, it was called Food Shop. Oh, well, that's a yes. tough one. <laughs> so Food Shop LA, um, it's, they're, they're still doing their beautiful dinners. And um, my friend who lives in Echo Park said, hey, you know, I have an extra spot reservation. Will you come with me to this dinner? And, you know, ask me once and I'm there if you're going out to dinner, you know. Done. This is for ki- before kids. Like, sure. You Drop know. of a hat. Exactly. And so I'm like, here I come. You know, I'm <laughs> driving up from Orange County to have dinner with her. And I just didn't really understand the concept of it. And we rolled up to this really unassuming, possibly, you know, questionable parking lot given the time of day. And, you know, we go walk into the door and we're served these um, just drinks. And it's inside of this woodwork shop. And it, it's r- super rustic. And, you know, we all sat down family style. And it was just me and her that was part of our party. And we sat next to complete strangers. And our dinner started. And I just remembered thinking, oh, my gosh, like, these are my people, you know, like there's, there's no substitutions. You just enjoy what they bring. And it was a beautiful dinner. I remember like crusty bread and, um, mussels. So it was like a seafood with bread and we could not get enough bread to so like sop up all of the, <laughs> the juices that were coming out of it. And just like, it was just so thoughtful and, you know, it was all about the food and everybody that was there was so happy to be enjoying this food and, it was just this vibe that I knew that I, I needed more of. It wasn't anything that I had from any other experience, you know. That's and I so interesting. It was so powerful for me because I think it just. I thought you were going to say you got roofied for God's sake. No, it was sh- you didn't want to say shady place, <laughs> no. but it sounded shady. I mean, I think that's the beauty in LA is that like you know you you drive around LA and these spaces that look kind of. Maybe, shady yeah shady or just especially time of day unlooked after yeah i mean the sun was setting right which could have been a two women moment. yeah dark <laughs> i mean come on yes and you know there's no signs and not very many people around and that's the beauty of la is just like you know you turn a corner and it's just a beautiful experience waiting for you and you can never judge it by the facade you know good lord yeah but it it was it. It oh, was fantastic. I, there was just something in me that I just realized, like, they figured it out. You know, this thing that I didn't even know I wanted, they figured out. And I loved it so much that I think a few weeks later, I just asked my same friend, like, do you think it's weird if I, like, email them and, like, do a stage with them? Like, I, I don't know. Can I just, like, come work for free just to, like be in the environment and like learn whatever I can. I didn't know what was going to happen. I didn't know what I was going to learn. I just knew that I wanted to be a part of it. Wow. Yeah. And I was working full-time designing still. And I lived in Orange County and driving to Orange County is, or driving to Orange County to Venice, LA on a Friday night is oh. probably like not your favorite thing to do. But I was just dying to do this. That I really it had that much of an effect on your yes, soul. Yes, because I know that could be at least two hours. <laughs> yes, which could kill your soul a little right. bit. But yeah, every Friday or whatever Friday. Yeah, Fridays, and so I mean, they would have like um like two or three consecutive days a month where they would do these dinners and you know everybody has like weekend plans and I'm like my plans I'm gonna go moonlight I'm gonna go wash dishes and like fill water bottles and like pick up dirty plates and like get to like learn did anybody check on your mental health and think like are you crazy (laughs) you're doing what I think some of my friends were like confused on what I was doing you know they're like are you okay like do you need money and I'm like no like 
And I mean, I came and I was just so excited that they even responded to my email and they're like, well, come and meet us. And so I just, I don't know, it, maybe it's a little naive in retrospect, but I was like, hi, like, I don't know what I can bring to the table, but I'm here. <laughs> Christina from uh, Orange County. Yes. And um, I was like, I'll work for free. And they didn't let me work for free. They're just like, no, we're going to pay you. But, you know, like, let's just see if it's like a good chemistry and um, yeah, I just like jumped in. And Your first night, what did you do? I washed a lot of dishes. Um, we had this small kitchen that was attached to this wood workshop that was actually also attached to an art gallery. Really interesting space. And, you know, it was L.A., so, you know, the, the mixture of the group was always really fun and exciting. And it was like a, a BYOB sort of okay. menu because... Um, they just served like the first cocktail and then you could bring whatever you wanted. They would make suggestions for pairings and then, you know, you just let the menu kind of take you for a ride. And then this like small kitchen just cranked out all kinds of fun things like chocolate banana tarts and like beautiful braised vegetables and, you know, the best hamburger. No, no structure could be anything. I mean, the, um, the founders of this food shop would curate a menu based around like a loose theme where okay. it's like, you know, like um, it would be like a burger night or if they would do seafood or like a Middle Eastern Mediterranean vibe. And what they, was the clientele? What did they look like? I mean, are you talking I younger mean, beautiful kids? LA people. <laughs> o- older, like 50, 60? Um, I think younger 20s? I would say maybe 30s-ish, late 20s. You, you gotta know. be adventurous to do yes. this. I mean, and yeah, there going were a lot to of Venice. very beautiful people and just beautiful in like the way that they were just so eclectic and open to trying things. And I mean, there were some definitely just beautiful people too. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I think a lot of people were just very open-minded about what they were going to eat and experience and, you know, sitting next to strangers. And I just think that's something that you don't really get to experience or really embrace a lot. So that was like a fun aspect of it. So you were dabbling in this before Seattle, then Seattle yeah. just kind of cracked things open. Well, it's funny because I remember when I got the job in Seattle, I just thought, oh, like, oh, I won't be able to do this anymore. And it made me kind of sad. How long did you do it? Um, it was like, it was less than a year. I'm going to say it was probably six months jesus that's a commitment it was so fun i think it was like the best like friday saturday nights i've had oh friday and saturday yeah my goodness girl you're giving up weekends i mean that's prime i mean i told you i was a food nerd you know food nerds one thing though but like (laughs) like obsessive yeah yeah it's not like tuesday nights where like what's going on you're not gonna watch anything but friday saturday night is a young woman going up to venice to work in a soup kitchen for god's sake it was just like i think for me i was so excited to have an opportunity to learn about something totally unrelated to my job what were you learning what was like really like oh my god i can't believe they're doing that i'm glad i was here for that um i think just like the logistics of putting on this like 20 to 40 people dinner in a night in this very like small space yeah that is cooking differently yes and also um you you cook for three people a day yes it's or easy. five, and or five. only three of us right. eating. But. Right, but right, that's very easy. Um, now, yeah. if you're doing 40 people. Yeah, and um, also just like um, one of the founders of the food shop was actually, uh, she studied um, uh, pastries. So she studied under a pastry chef in Europe, 
so she was very well versed in the desserts and she would let me help her like slice bananas or like pipe chocolate um or whatever it was and I just felt so happy you know to do that and I think there was like a energy about you know a food service or a dinner service for more than just you know a dinner party at home you know there's 20 people 40 people waiting for you to serve them this planned dinner and there was like a dance to it because it had to be timed right and they had to flow and you know like talking to the guests and it was just so great because the food was just so fun and great and executed so well that everybody was generally super pleased and it was just so nice to talk about people who were so happy about what they were eating you know best meal you saw there best meal I saw there oh there are so many I don't know um there was a dinner that was based off of um the homeland of one of the founders his name's Ite and he is from Israel okay and he did a an entire menu based off of foods that were from his homeland and it was a lot of there was like this beautiful like hummus and labne and um I think there were uh, kebabs and there was just like dish after dish and it just like was so bountiful and everything was just so great together. And I just remembered like, this is something really special. Wow. Yeah. To be a part of that. What an interesting thing. I was just in the back grinning, just like, wow. (laughs) I would also wear red lipstick when I would go for dinner service because I (laughs) wanted that energy. (laughs) Maybe that's a tell, you know? Yeah. Red lipstick is definitely like hmm. interesting moments in life that I <laughs> that you're ex- just something's happening here something yeah. special is happening I must be ready yeah wedding <laughs> food shop yeah so your time in Seattle mm-hmm. was that then a bit of a transit I mean you, did you feel the transition from fashion to food um I think so when I was in did one overtake yes um so I would say when I was in Seattle um I learned a lot in my job in fashion there. And it was more of like a, a business education versus like a creative education. Okay. And I was working really hard. And, you know, if you don't know, the winter, actually the spring too, is pretty difficult in Seattle because it just does, never stops raining. Right. It's gray. And it's gray. wet. Everything's wet. Like you have to leave to dry out. So I think I had to find other things that brought me joy other than just, you know, sunshine or and so um the food scene there is amazing and so eclectic and I think my husband at the time my boyfriend you know kind of took me to different restaurants to sort of you know keep it exciting for me or distract me from you know day 75 of rain (laughs) you know like there were moments where I I think I, I didn't realize myself how much the weather was affecting me coming from Southern California and he would just kind of like take right. me, yes. put me in the car and drive me to the beach because there's actually a sunset that day. Right. And that would kind of like recharge me. And, you know, it was very exciting to like go to a different restaurant like every night if you wanted to. And we did. We ate out a ton. And it was just so cool to be, you know, like I had a career and I had a lot more disposable income to really explore these like beautiful restaurants and experiences food that was out there that was so you can really expand your palate that way yes yes and I think a lot of people in Seattle were very creative with their menus too and a lot of very seasonal menus and things that I've never heard of before you know and I think for me I just realized that 
you know, I'm very fortunate to know about um, authentic Vietnamese and Asian food in Southern California, but this kind of like rocked my world in a way to like see like the abundant things that were not that far away and just available to us that I had never even thought of. Right. It, there's a heavy Japanese community up there, correct? Mm-hmm. So that influence is different when you get the food of the Northwest and what they provide. I mean, you've got a lot of different food out there. Yes. You're close to Canada. Yes. Canada has a lot of Chinese food, too. Um, I think it's the largest community outside. Especially in v- uh, Vancouver's right there. Yes. Yes. We would go to Vancouver for work and you know, dim sum and just all the things there. If you're sick of poutine when you're there. Yeah, it was just, it was just like, it was hard not to have delicious food when I lived in Seattle. And I just, I think for me, like when I was in California, it's like you go here for brunch or you go here for pho. And then like there, it was just like, oh, they're doing something exciting here with like, um, I don't know, carrots or um, even with cocktails, like the, the things you just take for granted yes or just things that i never knew could be that great you know i drank a lot more too when i was in seattle you're I, supposed to yeah it helped me get through the winter but it was also very fun because you know it was like part of the whole experience like beautiful cocktails and um you know infusing flavors in both cocktails and food and i think it just made me so excited and then i think that's when i realized i wanted to try to recreate a lot of these things that I was experiencing at home and that just became almost like an obsession you know like I would just like beg my friends like will you come over like let's have a dinner party like I want to bake I want to bake this or I want to cook this and you know lucky for me my friends are very open-minded and it ended up working out for both of us because I got to curate these dinner parties and they got to enjoy delicious food and um, yeah, I think that was something that really made Seattle memorable for me. And during the summers when the sun's out and there's like fresh crab that we would catch or whatever it was. And the just, sun doesn't set till late. No, it's very dangerous, especially if you go to happy hour. Yeah. It's like 10 p.m. and the sun is shining and you don't realize that you've been out for like six hours and it's like a Tuesday. But yeah. How am I going to get to work? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I... I, I would say the, the weather was tough, but it was definitely a really magical time. When you came back mm-hmm. from Seattle, mm-hmm. what was your thought then? Um, I think when I came back from Seattle, there was definitely a, an adjustment. I think for me, I was kind of relieved that I wouldn't have to bear the winters. But there Business-wise, was, was there a struggle? Um, no, actually. I think I, I, I got, I, I ended up, wanting to move back to California because I knew that I didn't want to put my roots down. I just knew the weather was tough. Yeah, it's rough. Yeah. And so, you know, and I think a lot of my friends were starting families and my parents were getting older and I just wanted to kind of go back. Okay. And so my husband decided, okay, like, well, my boyfriend at the time, <laughs> he he had to... Um, start his own business if he wanted to leave Seattle because his job was based in Seattle and that wasn't an option and I wasn't really sure what I was going to do I knew I was moving so I quit my job before having a job and I ended up getting a job like the day before I left (laughs) so it all worked out great surprise yeah um, I definitely have like a lot of things that I do miss about you know just being able to like walk down to the farmer's market or the wharf you know to get fresh seafood um 
Now, was the thought to come back to Southern California, Orange County, border L.A., or was it anywhere when you came back to California? Um, like I, San Diego or San Francisco or um, I think Bakersfield? We, no, I don't <laughs> think so. I think we wanted to kind of be in our, like, the general pocket that we were when, before I left. Okay. Just to be around people and friends and familiar faces. Um, I think we were open to it if we needed to, but we just kind of settled. We're in Long Beach now, and we love it. We, me and my husband, actually both lived in Long Beach separately in our past life, I guess. Right. Yeah. <laughs> what was that job that you got? Was that at Incipio, or was that at... At Ruka, actually. At Ruka, okay. Yes, and so, um, yeah, I... Uh, I got the job there, and I was just kind of hit the ground running when I got back to Southern California. Like, nothing had changed. What were you doing? Um, I was designing for the women's line at Ruka, which is, it's also an action sports brand, but we're heavily based in, like, California lifestyle and art. Um, we have a huge, like, network of artists, and I feel like for an action sports company, like, they have the biggest breadth of, like, really, like, creative and, like, art-focused product. What did you specifically design? I designed dresses and jackets and fleece and kind of all of it except for swim. Okay. But I do swim now, actually. Was, were, are, were you always very like, okay, colors, textures, how things cling to a body? Like, are you, I mean, obviously you got to be kind of aware of that kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. I think I was always mindful. I would say like, you know, I always kind of keep a pulse on trends and patterns and things that are happening. But, like, at its core, you know, a lot of things are always important, like the way it fits, you know, like, and how it functions. Like, nobody wants to wear anything that is ill-fitting or hard to wear, right. period. Now, men are different. Men can buy clothes at a truck stop. Most men. They just, <laughs> you know, oh, that pair of socks, that works. Yeah. With the ladies, not so much. Mm -hmm. So when you're designing, does your personal taste... And, like, the way you have things fit on your body, do you take that in consideration? Like, I like it to fit me here. I like it to hold here. Definitely. I mean, I'm almost 40, so my body has gone through a few versions, <laughs> especially now that I'm a mom. Um, and I think... Is that is that something you're aware of? Your 20 body? Your 30 body? Your 40 body? Yeah. Or yeah. soon to be 40 body, yeah, right? Your mom, post-mom or mom body? Yeah. I think there's been... There's just been a lot of, like, growing and maturing because, you know, like, as a teenager, like, your body's this strange thing that keeps changing. And then, you know, in your 20s, you're just, like, invincible, like, rock-hard abs. Right. And, like, you know, everything is just anti-gravity. And, <laughs> um, you know, and then the metamorphosis of having a child and being pregnant and bearing a little girl, it's just, like, it's wild. And I think now that I am almost 40, I realize, like, how amazing it is and what it can do and not just, like, where are my abs today, right. you know? I don't know where they are today, but... Um. <laughs> do, well, do... Is it, like, the hindsight or if, like, you're designing when you were 28, you go, oh, my God, okay, I'm designing this dress. If I only knew what a 38-year-old woman... Well, so we have... We have a demographic that we design for. I would say, like, for my personal experience in my body is, you know, like, the things that you want to complement. And, like, you have to keep the age of your customer in mind. And so I think one of the my strongest skills is that, 
you know, I have my lens, but I am able to remove myself from it and put in our actual customer because someone that is 10 years younger than me is going to want something very different. Right. And I feel like I'm able to um, create that. But keeping th- things in mind, like, you know, that cutout's really cool, but, you know, if you make it smaller or if you adjust it, it'll be more flattering or more wearable or you won't have a nip slip or whatever right. that is. Yeah. And it's just more mindful versus, you know, someone that is always designing for a supermodel. You know? Sure. Like, it, you could put two seams on and it's fine. And, you know, that is great for the 1%, but, you know, I'm... I'm trying to create clothes for a wider right. range of people that make them feel good. And I think just like keeping in mind that, you know, like something could be a little squishier or curvier or smaller. And I think that has really been empowering as like a designer to like fit things that really flatter a women's body, not just, you know, a straight figure. Right. There two things when I was doing my research for you, I was like, ooh, these statistics are <laughs> kind of shocking, and so you're my go-to on this. There's two things that I saw, especially with women, mm-hmm. that are frightening. That there's like almost half or 40-some-odd high percent of teenage girls that are now classified as obese, oh. especially from the pandemic, right? Oh. Sitting on their butt, not doing anything. Everybody's scared of their shadow, so they sat around. And so now you're taking how you're designing clothes for them differently. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> when you were 15, what you wore, and now a 15-year-old, if she's carrying an extra 30 pounds different than she did when you were mm-hmm. 15, that's a different look. Cut. Yeah. And then on the completely 180 swing scale, more women today are working out in a way they never did when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Nobody had, no girl had a butt mm-hmm. when I was in high school. Mm-hmm. Now everybody's either crossfitting, doing gyms, and all these girls have butts and bodies that were never like they were in the 80s and 90s. Yes. Is that something you're aware of or, or you have to see? Um, I think it's something we definitely keep in mind because, I mean, it's a strange thing to think about, but along with clothes trends, like there's also body trends. Right. When I was growing up in the 90s, you know, Kate Moss was like the epitome of the body figure. And, you know, if you were over 100 pounds on the runway, it was just like too much. Yeah, shame on you. Yes. And so it's just like not eating and then, you know, don't move so you don't build muscle. And and now it's, you know, all about the curves and the peach. And uh, I definitely think it has affected things um i'm kind of excited that you know people are embracing being strong and using their bodies instead of just being so thin oh yeah and i think the diversity too if you look at some of those photos of kate now you go wow Mm -hmm. somebody should have helped that girl Mm -hmm. and it's all like relative right because at the time all the models were so thin skinny fat like, yes. they had no muscle tone. Mm-hmm. I shot those girls. They was not a good look. Yeah. Ugh. I think I feel like we're always, like, struggling to find this, like, equilibrium. And it's kind of, I think for me, I'm trying to think of when I was, like, a teenager. And it's always like, oh, like, I wish I was thin, like, that model. And now it's like, I think the girls be like, oh, I wish my butt was, like, that big. And <laughs> yeah. I just, 
I think again with turning 40, it's just like our bodies are amazing, you know? And yeah. And I think you don't need that giant peach and there's, there's nothing wrong with being thin, but if you're thin or thick or curvy, like there, there is something for you. And I think designing, um, you know, adjustability has always been super important. Um, the customers want it too, you know, like, sure. like not everyone is built exactly the same, whether it's your bus being bigger or smaller or your waist. And so, um, yes, adjustability in the silhouette of all things is so important. Well, you say the bust. It used to be the thing where everybody wanted a big bust. Now everybody has mm-hmm. a big butt. It's mm-hmm. so, it's six, it's, it's gone down. Mm-hmm. I know it's. It's, it's kind of wild because you are inundated with these, like, images all day long, and so it becomes the normal. But, yeah, if you just go back, like, 10 years, it was just... Right. Yeah. Yeah, everybody was worried about a whole different part of their body. Mm-hmm. So when you're designing pants or a dress mm-hmm. or bottoms, you're aware of that. Yes. I'm trying to make as many people happy as possible. Right. You had to hit a bigger target audience than the 1%. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. So much work goes into it. You're just trying to make a nice dress. Yeah, it's really fun, though. I think it just becomes second nature because, you know, you're just trying to achieve the most ideal silhouette for the general person. At, at you know, because you're, you're in this pivoting point, but mm-hmm. when you were head deep in love with design, mm-hmm. was there a place you would have been if someone could have said, tomorrow we could we, you can work there tomorrow mm-hmm. where would it have been um I would say I really wanted to work for Chloe okay um I mean it's a luxury fashion house but I just I just always felt like it was so sophisticated and like ethereal and I think um Phoebe was the director of that house at the time and She's just so amazing, and I just remember it every time I saw their runway. It just really moved me, and just to make beautiful things out of beautiful fabric for people who just love the pieces, you know, it was just, I mean, it's just like tenfold of what I do now because you get to, like, dream a little bit bigger. Like, you're using beautiful silks or, like, something could be hand-embroidered or hand-sewn, and I think a part of me just like really longed to be able to create something so beautiful. But in retrospect, I feel like it might have been so much pressure to try to perform and create something at such a a high level. And maybe I'm just tired now, but I think I think there there is definitely um, an appeal in the the relaxed demographic that I designed for. I watched Phantom Thread as part of my research for this. What's Phantom Thread? It's uh, Daniel Day Craig is in this movie. Daniel Day, no, Daniel Day Lewis, not okay. James Bond. Day. And he, it's a Paul Anderson, Paul West Anderson movie. He plays a designer. Oh. And he does a little secret thread. He hides. I know, we're going to hold. <laughs> I think someone's moving a little bit. He has, uh, in his label, he puts a little note specifically in everybody's dress. Mm. 
and it's like you know he'll he's like he's making stuff for like the the prince of Austria and he'll mm-hmm. put something in and things, oh. like, things like that secret notes that he used to do for his mother when she designed her clothes so it's oh. a really good story so I was just trying to get into the fashion sense I when I was doing that. this I think I think I thought more that way when I was in fashion school and a little bit more time to daydream a little bit if that makes sense just because now things are so fast paced that those those little things that you would want to put in like there's not a spot or a space for them <laughs> and it just moves too fast and I feel like and maybe that's it I think you I think you've maybe cracked the code for me because I feel like with food I'm able to do that well tell me about this pivot I mean I think I laughed my keister off when you told me how the genesis came up. I know. Okay. So But you've always loved food. Always. Like, I always thought it was always beautiful the way you presented your food at lunch when we would sit together a million years ago <laughs> and everybody else had theirs in a bag and you had yours in your seventeen box containers and, and yeah, it was all <laughs> separated and nothing touched until you wanted it to touch. <laughs> Right? Jen's just shoving food down <laughs> with me and you know, Steven, and you're like this little elegant put together. Usually not a sandwich. But, right. Uh, yeah. Um, I, so, I mean, after over what, it's been almost 20 years in the apparel industry and thoroughly enjoyed myself. Um, my job's taken me like around the world. I've been able to finally do something that lets me be creative and create and be artistic and you know I've had so much fun but there's always been this part of me that wanted to do something in food fuck me (laughs) I'm gonna gonna go ask him how long he's gonna okay Oh, who me? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Is that my peeping? Um, Starting at 20 years. Okay, so it's been almost 20 years in the fashion industry, and you know, I've really enjoyed myself. I've gotten to do so many amazing things travel the world, like go to Europe, Tokyo, just, you know. That's not bad. No, and I've seen amazing things, but there has been this constant thread that I notice, you know, I'm, I'm traveling around the world looking for inspiration but the joy I have is finding these restaurants or you know local food or your face is glowing when you're saying it (laughs) I just it was just like such a big part of the experience that just kind of excited me so much more than you know shopping for the trends or going to the stores it was always like what are we having for dinner tonight or where are we stopping for lunch and you know most often it's like totally out of the way but always so worth it and you know there's women around the world having heart palpitations <laughs> what you're saying <laughs> i know i think i know in my heart it's like oh we're gonna look at beautiful clothes and i'm like wait what is the stand over here <laughs> i just remembered like we were in tokyo and um like we walked by like a taka taki takoyaki stand which is basically like squid dough balls and my coworkers were like what are you doing and i'm like i'm gonna try this because i'm in tokyo right yeah now. why not yeah and they just you know 
they they hurried off to the store and I you know held back and tried it and then enjoyed it and I'm like why can't I do both <laughs> how was it good it was delicious oh I think I think growing up um yes with We're... the food has made me quite adventurous I didn't realize I was but I'm like it has a head who cares yeah. guys, you know it's all going down yeah crunch yeah which allowed me to really enjoy like the food of so many different cultures and Again, like in the career that I had, I you know wherever whether we were in Mexico City or Paris or, you know, we would go to um, like Hong Kong or different countries to like either source or get inspiration. And every city had something really special to offer me in like a culinary sense. And I I think when I came home and my husband's like, how was your trip? And it was never like, oh, this beautiful dress. It was always like, oh my goodness, I had. This the best dinner. quesadilla. Exactly. <laughs> you know, we had these like lavish dinners with vendors and it was just so cool. And I think I realized like. Well, like the, like what you found in Tokyo, sometimes the, the stuff on the street is mm-hmm. the best stuff. Yes. Yes. Like Mexico City, these unassuming taco stands will change your life. They're and authentic. They're real. A lot mm-hmm. of times they're really cheap, but their yes. quality is really good. Yeah. There's, there's a line for a reason. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. And it's just like quaint and it it doesn't have to be this huge complicated fancy thing you know it's just good food and I think I think there was something in that that really drew me in because it was accessible to everyone at every level in so many different ways and so many possibilities and I knew that it was something I wanted to jump into it just never made sense because you know, the deeper you get into your career, you like build value in your experience and your skill set. And mine was not being built in that direction, but I just knew in my heart that I wanted it to be in food. And I always, you know, I'm always sort of pursuing my curiosity, but I didn't know how it was going to take me from fashion design to food. Interesting. Yeah. So there you are, Mm -hmm. scrolling through Instagram, (laughs) (laughs) and there's a million things on Instagram you could be clicking and double-clicking and subscribing to, and you find a game or a a show. It's just like like a random post that was probably, I don't know why it targeted me, but I'm so glad... It well, did. you probably clicked a lot of food stuff. You know, what's funny is that during the pandemic, um, I was unemployed for maybe six months. Okay. And I decided to cook a lot because I had a lot of time. And me and my husband were eating way too many cupcakes and cookies and dinners and everything I was cooking. I was just, you know, it wasn't for anything specific. I just, it brought me joy. And so I did it. And my husband's like, you need to stop. Like, this is out of control. Like, your pants don't fit. And so I just took... He was worried more about his pants. Yes, <laughs> yes. And so I took to Instagram, and I I just posted to my friends, and I just said, like, do you want to participate in a $5 taste experiment? And I would just cook whatever I cook, and if they Venmo me or sent me $5, I would share whatever I was making. It could be, like, a quiche or, or a cake or whatever it was, and... I just, you know, why not? Like, it's just my friends, and it was kind of overwhelming, the amount of enthusiasts that kind of came out of the woodwork to participate. And um, out of those six months, I was just baking up a storm, and it kind of grew, and people were requesting, like, special orders of what I was making. And 
it just felt like, wow, this this could be something. I don't know what this is, but I'm just going to roll with it and see what happens. It did now, feel. I knew you when you guys, well, I've known you, but when you guys were buying the house mm-hmm. and you got the house. Yes. Is the kitchen what, like. No, what, not at all. Right. It's this a, is. It's a little 60s house. No, right? it's a 1958 original That's right, kitchen yeah. that was made for one small person, smaller than I. Yes, yeah, so you're not sitting on a wolf stove with six <laughs> burners and a big I'm on, old. I'm on like an electric oil <laughs> thermidor, uh, three of which work. Um, and, you know, in a kitchen where if my husband's in there, I can't get in there. It's and, crowded. Yeah. Um, but we made it work. You know, I think if where there's a will, there's a way for sure. Um, and it just kind of grew it. I kind of became this like mad scientist in my own home. And, uh, you know, the kitchen table, the dining room table was like not open for use because it was covered by like orders <laughs> going out. And it just became so time consuming that I kind of like reeled it in. And I funny enough that I had the time since I wasn't working and I started sort of staging again at a local bakery that um, my husband would get coffee there and he he found the pastries to be something of what I would like you know there was like a rosewater pistachio cake and you know just something interesting Mm -hmm. and he's like he knows me so he's like I think sure I think Christina would like this and he brought it home and I was like this isn't your typical bakery fair like where did you get this and I just got intrigued and again you know like my nerdy self just like searched for an email and reached out and I met with the owner and I just told her like, you know, I love this and I just want to learn whatever I can. And, you know, she ran a small operation out of her, her um, coffee shop and she baked all of her own baked goods and I just wanted to be a part of it. And so we would partner and like plan, like just, you know, like it's peach season, let's do pies. And, you know, these cookies are doing really well. Let's explore that. And I did that for a few months and, I mean, I always feel like these opportunities that maybe at first might have felt like, you know, stifling being like laid off because the brand shut down during the pandemic and it just became another opportunity. And I feel like that just keeps happening, you know? Wow. And so... It's interesting that she would take you on like, oh, you're not a cook, you don't have a culinary degree or anything like and You're just some enthusiast woman who loves a good rosemary and you're... I'm in. <laughs> yes, I think, I mean, it's just our love of food kind of really connected us. And, um, you know, it was very like, like non-committal sort of like, let me just come and help you. And if it helps, like, let me do this. And if not, and, you know, like, it, it was a great experience because I got to, you know, she's a business owner and she, I've learned a few things from her just from a business standpoint of like what I would do if I were to, explore something like that on my own and it was just nice to have another person kind of in that space that I could either bounce ideas off of or mm-hmm. explore mm-hmm. Um, so maybe that's why Instagram targeted me because I used Instagram as sort of like a broadcast system for what I was baking and I was like ghost baking and watching these, you. yeah which I thank you I guess it worked out in my favor <laughs> um, but um, what was my train of thought well you're else? sitting you're sitting there Yes, so I'm getting ready for work, um, and I'm sitting in a chair in a specific room in my house, just scrolling Instagram, and this ad comes up that says, like, casting call, are you a passionate home cook? And I don't think I would have thought anything of it, but I was like, yes, yes, I am. And I just, like, kept reading through the description. I'm like, this is strange. It feels too 
too on the nose. Too targeted, like yes. Ryan's in the other room. Yes, <laughs> like are you in my mind? He's just pulling your leg. Yes, and so I was just looking at this post and sort of thinking and just dabbling in the idea of it, and I was just like, that's crazy. And for whatever reason, I decided to screenshot it, and then I just go to work. I'm working from home that day, and I'm, you know, sketching up some things at my dining room table, and, and then it just kind of pops in my mind again, like, well, maybe this is something. And I text my husband, and I said, I send it to him, and I'm like, should I do this? And you, you know my husband, but yeah. for you, those of you who don't, he's very, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Unenthusiastic. <laughs> I love him, but the general consensus would be is that like he he has no enthusiasm in the way that he speaks, and he just said sure, period, and that was enough for me to be like okay, here I go and. <laughs> That's I it. Like, Doors open. Yes. I'm gone. So I dive in and I, I look at all of the things that they're requiring. They're, they're looking for a headshot, like a one-minute video, like a handful of photos of our food. And uh, there's like an application. And I had none of these things except for photos of my food because, again, I'm a food nerd. I've kind of been documenting what I've been doing on Instagram. So thank goodness for that. I had that on hand. But I'm like, I don't have a headshot. Like, I don't have a video, like, bio of myself. And so... I'm just, like, looking in my house, like, where do I have the best lighting? And it's, like, the bathroom, so... Your bathroom's yes. got the best lighting. Yes, and I'm, like, I don't have Matt to take my headshot, and I need to get this in. I'm, I'm kind of one of those people where, like, I just, like, get lit on fire to do something, and I have to do it then and there, like, no matter what. That's good. And I just, Get it done. Yeah. Don't so hesitate. <laughs> Boom. And that is why you have lighting from the bathroom <laughs> for my headshot for the show. Um, so I go, and I put some makeup on and I take a headshot in the bathroom because that's the best lighting in my house. And then it comes to the one minute video just, you know, so they can get to know me. And I'm just like, where am I going to take this video? What am I going to talk about? And then I go back to the bathroom and I turn on my camera and I'm like, well, shoot, it's here too, you know? So (laughs) I take a video. I just kind of, you know, tell them a little bit about myself. And then um, since I had the photos of the food, the rest of the application process went pretty quickly. And I would say I was so amped that I got it done in like 20 minutes and then I just went back to work and I was just like, all right, done. You know, I applied at least like I, I did that, you know, the end, like it's fun, fun. Okay. (laughs) Yes. And then I would say like a few hours later that same day, my phone chimes and it's a text from an unknown number and just said, Oh, we got your application. Like, could we schedule a time to speak? And and then the heart palpitation started because I'm like, wait, now it's real. Like, it actually went somewhere. What's happening? And I, like, don't know what to think of it. And so I start spiraling and just respond, like, sure, 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 you know, <laughs> not realizing that I have, like, a meeting, like, right before that meeting at work in the office like, the next day. But it all ended up working out. And, you know, I'd go on this roller coaster of okay. the passing process. But when you call or you text, Ryan, what does your husband say? When you're like, you'll never believe what I got. I mean, in my husband's typical fashion, he's all like, oh, cool. <laughs> you know, and I, I, think I, for, I think for him, he knows how much I love food and how much I want it to make it part of my, you know, my career and my daily life. And he I think he wants to like he wants to be supportive, but also manage expectations so that mm-hmm. he doesn't like build it up. And, you know, I'm the one that kind of like gets upset about it versus him building it up and 
it falling short or something. So he's very cautious. So how was that meeting? That meeting was so fun. I mean, I I was nervous and they What month is this now? I would I think it's April, if I remember. Okay. It was spring still. It was um like middle middle to late spring. Okay. And um it was it was a roller coaster for sure. There I mean, I had never talked to so many people that I had never met before in such a <laughs> short period of time but everyone was so pleasant and nice um it started with a phone call with one person with just like some general like bio questions and then um, do you have your arms do you walk and talk (laughs) yeah yeah just like really casual um like chat about just you know generic stuff yeah yes and then sense and then I had a conversation about like food and like terms just to see if I was as nerdy as I claimed to be, <laughs> you know. Um, and uh, then it went on to um, Zoom meetings with videos and then meeting casting directors. And then it went on to become a, a cooking demo where I videoed myself. And Whoa. That, that was fun because, I mean... Wow. I, yeah. I, uh, like, propped my laptop on top of my food <laughs> composter. I actually have a photo of it because I just, I was setting up my camera, and, you know, they were just saying that, like, framing is everything. And so I was trying to do that, but I have no equipment, and I have not made really a video. A prior professional to this. video. <laughs> you know, yeah. Like, I'm like a demo, and it, yeah. it didn't have to be Here like, I am in the kitchen today. Yeah. English accent. No nonstop. Yeah. Yeah. So I, you know, I already knew what I wanted to make, and so I set it up in my kitchen. What did you make? I ended up making my mom's, um, a version of my mom's um, Tit Kot Young, which was the okay. braised pork belly with yep. the egg dish that I love so much. Damn um, it. So I good. Know. I'll have to make it for you sometime. Oh. It's, it's lovely. Um, and so I make this like 10 minute demo. Um, it didn't have to be like nonstop, thank goodness, cause the cook is like three hours. Um, so I just do some like snapshot, um, like, uh, video clips. And so sequentially it would have been the demo. And I was just, I don't know. I think I remembered, like I wanted to make it professional, I'm- but I had to keep myself are you talking? Are you cognizant? Yes. Are you smiling a I lot? I am. I think what did you I'm, wear? Or is like, are you very much aware? Yeah, I think I was. Well, I gotta go back and watch it now that you, you you're. I saying. mean, because it's one thing when you're cooking for yourself. It's a Saturday afternoon. Yes, it's very different. Right now, yes. it's like <laughs> there's a video. We're yes. recording this, and someone's going to see it. Yes. And, and judge you often. Yes. <laughs> I think that was part of the reason why they were requesting a video demo because, you know, people can be great in conversation and then clam up on camera. Right. And I, I honestly didn't know what I was going to be like either because I've never done anything on camera, you know, outside of like a Instagram story right, or goofy something. videos right, with the exactly. kid and something. Um, and so I just, you know, I'm like, okay, let's do this. And it surprisingly was a lot of fun. It definitely took a lot of time because of all the prep and, you know, getting the ingredients in place and like planning how I was going to speak about things without, you know, running on and dragging it on. This is my mom. Or losing focus. Yeah. Yeah. And so um, I was trying to stay concise, but I also remembered a big part of it for me was like, I wanted to be authentic. You know, I, I watched tons of food TV. I think all I watch is food TV. And I just like, 
I just knew I had to be myself. Otherwise, it, there was like no joy in it for me. And so I was trying to keep it authentic. And I wore a jumpsuit I had designed for work and, you know, just tried to have as much fun with it as I could and sent it off. And I didn't hear anything for like 10 days. And so I just thought, okay, it, I was thinking it's probably too amateur or like, I'm not what they're looking for, you know, all these right. things and just like radio He's silent. not calling me back. Exactly. And so. <laughs> You're 13 again. And <laughs> I know. So then um, I think it was just like two weeks after I basically, after I sent it and just accepted that this was the end of the road and I get this. Isn't email. it amazing how our minds can be so insecure in ourselves? Yes. Like, and in, in you're in business. Things don't happen overnight. I know. You realize they had how many other videos they had to go through yes. and siphle that down. And, and the get team it, that they the had The team to and the through. people and this and that. But you're like, it's been an hour. I know. They haven't, like, they've seen the video. It looks great. Why haven't they called me back? Well, I think out of this whole experience, I was so out of my element because it was so different from anything I had done before that everything was just so heightened, you know, because I didn't know what to expect. Yeah. Um, it's just you want, and it's like, we'll get to you. Yes, I was definitely buzzing the whole time that I was <laughs> oh, just sitting there waiting. The house must have been over you. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay, mom. <laughs> I think I was just, uh, like, not venting, but just sort of, like, mourning to my husband. Like, oh, that was fun, I guess. You know, like, I wonder, I wonder. Who they pick. Yes, or, <laughs> like, when it's going to air or whatever. And I, by the time I had actually the heard The bitch that, that got my spot. That's what you <laughs> wanted to say. No, maybe. <laughs> I think the second I heard back from them, it, I had already kind of put it away. And so when I heard back, I was just kind of floored. And um, it, I still had a lot of hoops to jump through. And Right, there's, that's still mm-hmm. a next stage. Yes, there. I mean, there's more paperwork, there's releases and you know more questions to answer and then there was also a, more interviews right yes more interviews Holy more people God. and then there's also um a psychological exam i guess is what you call them mm-hmm. um i think it was like it's like 700 questions Jesus. all kinds of questions that i just you know i i didn't understand like what they meant but some of them were quite strange like um I think it was something like, do these animals like ever talk to you or like, do you hear, you know, all kinds of things, the gambit. They want to know. Yes. All encompassing. Um, And then we had to meet with a psychologist just to have a session to be evaluated. Mm -hmm. I mean, I thought the headshot was going to be the tough part, but. um, You're like, the bathroom was easy. (laughs) Yeah. So you had to sit there for 45 minutes with some psych giving you like. What do you see in this picture? Yeah. I mean, it was a very casual conversation, but... um, (laughs) Have you ever been abused as a child, right? Yeah, I think anything that might have maybe come up in correlation with the test is my assumption. But it was actually quite pleasant speaking with the psychologist, and it was actually really comforting to know that if I were to make it through to the show that a psychologist, or she, would be the on-call psychologist if I needed to talk to her for any reason. Wow. Mm -hmm. Okay, now, I've done The Bachelor and Bachelorette. Oh, you did? Yeah. <gasps> Years ago. Okay. <laughs> they they didn't put those people through anything. It was just alcohol and debauchery. Oh, wow. Right. So <laughs> I, they, and, and you guys were not going to get naked and date and try to find your mate. No, it was a mate. very different type of show. Right. So, or I was hoping at least. 
Cooking in the buff. <laughs> Watch out for the grill. <laughs> like, it's amazing what they put you through for a cooking show. Oh, it was definitely a high-stress environment for sure. Oh, God, you weren't going to do Mortal Kombat. <laughs> that's, I, that's, that's really interesting how it's evolved to the point where they really want to see where you're at mm-hmm. mentally before they put you on TV and you could possibly lose it. Yeah, I, I mean... Or I, take the win and the loss... Because mm-hmm. I saw some people really take the loss bad. Yeah. Well, the exit, they kind of. Mm. But that's life. Yeah. I mean, the psychologist did say, according to my test, that I was very responsible, competitive, and resilient. And so I was like, huh, okay, cool. <laughs> like, I could see those three. <laughs> like, okay, that's cool. <laughs> yeah. I so, what part of the month is this now when you're sitting down with your. Probably, on the couch? It's probably been like three or four weeks into the whole process. So you're into June? No. May? Probably May. Okay. Probably May. It's been like a month-ish. And so, you know, we're jumping through all these hoops and meeting with more producers and executives and a lot of these different roles that I was really kind of unclear of what their job was. I just kind of answered the questions Mm -hmm. and it was a lot of like hurry up and wait and you know, like prepare to go, but you don't know if you're going. And it was a lot of anticipation. And I was doing this without, I hadn't told my boss yet, you know, because I'm still working a full-time job while doing Yeah, but you, these yeah, things. you're going to tell them and you're going to be like, yeah, it didn't happen. Like the chance. You right, know, right, exactly. And so I was kind of holding my breath. And, you know, I, I when I, I felt like, I didn't know for sure, but it felt like it, it could happen Getting More closer. Likely. Yeah, right, I, yeah. I, I went to my manager who was so supportive and I like confided in her and just said like, this is happening. If it happens, I'm I don't gone know. Yeah. for a few weeks. <laughs> I don't know how it's happening, but yeah. this could be happening. Yeah, I don't know how, if, or when, but if so, I can't talk about it, but it's going to happen here-ish and I won't be working. It was I probably a bit of a buzz because that doesn't happen a lot in my business where... You know, it's not like you're with a National Guard and you're, like, going off to Bosnia. Yes. Right? You're like, I'm going off somewhere, but I can't talk to you about it. Yes. And I work for the CIA. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's like that. Kind of weird thing. Yeah. Well, luckily for me, my manager was so supportive. I I think she always knew how much I loved food and that I was always, you know, in my heart trying to find a way to make it my, my daily. And she was so supportive. And, you know, I could come to her and tell her where I'm at and... She was always like, we'll figure it out. You know, she was just like the best manager I could have asked for in the scenario. And it ended up, you know, coming through maybe, I think, two weeks before I was due to leave to Boston. And Well, now you said there were some questions that they asked you mm-hmm. that kind of made you think. Mm-hmm. Like really like you hadn't have actually had to even think about those questions or, mm-hmm. or talk about those questions out loud. Maybe you had them in your head when you're on your bicycle as a 15-year-old, but, <laughs> right? But now when someone starts asking you, like, who are you? Yes. What do you stand for? Oh, my goodness. Yes, that is such a major part of that. Um, so like, I was at the wedding. I don't remember those in the vows. <laughs> like, it's like, <laughs> like, those are some serious questions they wanted to know about you that you had to think about. Yes. So, okay, so the final step before they made the call and it was a week until we found out what the final call was, is we had a, a Zoom call, like a video call with multiple producers on the video. And I think there were, I don't know, like 10 people. Wow. And I, you know, only some of their cameras were on. And I remember um, I was being prepped for the meeting 
the day before and they just told me, you know, this is kind of the last meeting before they decide and it's your opportunity to tell them anything that you want them to know. And this whole process, they were asking me a lot of reflective questions about myself and my identity and who I was and, you know, who I was authentically. And I had never been really asked those questions in that way before where I really had to reflect inwardly and I just felt like this whole experience prior to this point was so like a introspective reflection on who I am and where I came from and what I wanted to do and you know I had this moment where I was driving to work and I I drive down PCH for those of you not in California that's the Pacific Coast Highway Um, I was just driving south to my office and just kind of daydreaming a little bit, just thinking about, you know, the last few weeks and what this could mean for my potential career and the opportunities that could come and what I want them to know about me and what I want to tell them. And I just, I got really overwhelmed by emotion and the emotion was pure gratitude because, um, you know, even if I knew in my heart that even if it didn't go any further, I had gained so much from this experience because of all the reflection that I had to do. And I felt so much gratitude because I was thinking about my family and like where I came from. And like my parents had both passed away at this time. And I was just thinking about, you know, where they grew up and coming from Vietnam as like refugees coming to America during a war with nothing and raising eight crazy kids you know and you know they they figured it out somehow and they had me here in Tennessee and of all places yeah and and here I am you know I'm a 38 year old woman with a family a daughter and um they gave me the opportunity to go to college and wild enough to pursue a career in fashion which you know some people might have thought was just like a silly decision but they let me do it and I was able to have success there and you know now that I'm almost 40 I'm able to decide that I want to pivot into food and you know whether it was the show that was going to let me do it I just I just felt really overwhelmed because I realized that being in the place I am and who I am allows me to do that because being in America, I can do whatever I want because I want to do it. Like, I don't need a reason or permission. And if I was in Vietnam or if I was, like, in India where there's, like, a caste system or, you know, whatever reasons that prevent people from following their dreams, no matter how wild or if you wanted to be an accountant, like, whatever, you know. And I just felt so much gratitude because... Like, the sacrifices and the decisions they made to risk their life to come here allowed me to do basically whatever I wanted. And that was just so powerful for me. And I don't think I don't think I ever realized that to any degree until I went through this process. And I, I came home and I, like, started crying again to my husband. And I just said, like, this is who I am. Like, how cool is that? And he's like, totally. Like, that's your authentic self. And I just knew that... Like, I wanted them to know that that was such a huge part of that journey for me. And the show hadn't even started. I wasn't even on it yet, you know? And I had this, this whole... This is just you in front of a bunch of, like, screens. Yeah, and I just felt... Um, yeah, it was just so wild was to it, have... Was so it, like, really, like, an awakening for you? Like, oh, my God. 
I'm going to talk about me in a way I've never talked about before. Yeah, definitely. I think it was so like all encompassing because you know, you're a pretty crier. (laughs) Oh, wow. (laughs) First time I've heard that. (laughs) I'm like, tune into the show. If you want to see me ugly cry. Um, definitely. It was definitely really all encompassing in so many aspects of my life. And I just don't think we have the fortune to be able to like take the time to like look internally and like really have that quiet moment where you get to like realize these things about your life and yourself. Mm -hmm. And I just felt so overwhelmed and yeah, I, I, I just, I don't know if I was so nervous that I'm not sure if I was able to really, um, communicate that to them but for me to like have that realization myself was so powerful and I think it it just kind of like lit me on fire because I felt like wow like this amazing opportunity that I have like I could do anything you know like if I like I think I was afraid to say that I wanted to venture into food previously but I'm like my parents like fled a war and like crossed the ocean in like a tiny boat and like came to a completely different country with nothing and that has allowed me to do this so i will be damned if i squander this opportunity you know and yeah. i feel so empowered by it and i just feel awake now and you know i loved everything that my previous career has offered me and i, I love what i'm doing now but i think i feel a little bit more fearless and even more so now after the whole latter experience i mean isn't it funny that it takes a game show or a show, mm-hmm. a TV show for you to kind of like do a retrospect on your life in this <laughs> right before your Zoom meeting of like, this is who I am. This is who I want to be. And by God, I'm going to do it no matter what it takes. Yes. Like, it's, and I don't even know what that is yet. I just want to share food right. in what capacity. I don't know, but I just know. You're going to change a chapter in your life. To yes. This. Yes. What if you weren't on your phone that day? God. What if it breaks, battery's low, Opal needs you, whatever <laughs> it is, and you're like, oh, I'm coming, and you don't swipe one more time? I don't know. I think I, think I feel like I would somehow find a way to align those stars, I guess, and if it wasn't the show, it would be something else, because I think maybe subconsciously I was looking for a path regardless, you know? So you crushed the interview. I, I hope so. I mean, they chose me. Sweetie, so they picked you. <laughs> okay. So that happens. What then what's the next step? What do they say? So I would say it was probably a week or 10 days after. And well, they again, love, they love that week in 10 days. Oh yeah. <laughs> something like that. And of course I went through the whole gambit of emotions. Like, Oh, they didn't choose me. They would have called me by now. Like I would have known like, <laughs> Like, they would be leaving in two weeks if they, you know, and it wasn't, I think it was like a... Asking you to prom must have been torture oh for God. that poor kid. <laughs> I think it was probably like a Friday afternoon or it was something where like late in the day where I'm like, it's too late for them to like, you know, choose me. It's over. Like, that was fun. But I, I'm so grateful for the experience, you know, the whole, like the whole uh, stages of mourning, I guess, of it. And... And then I get a phone call, and they said, you know, the producers love you. We would like you to get ready to go to Boston. And I just, I think I was just in shock because it was just like. Where were you? I was at home alone at my dining room table working from home, and I just. Nobody's home. No. And it was just quiet, and I was like, 
holy shit. <laughs> like, is this really happening? Because it was probably like two months at this point. Did you keep your cool? I mean, yeah. I was just like, like mm-hmm, I mean, yeah, I started sweating yeah. a little bit because I was so excited. But I was like, oh, my God. And then, like, after five minutes of just, like, internalizing that, I call my husband and I tell him, like, I made it onto the show. And, you know, like, I can hear him, like, the excitement in his voice is at, like, a three now. So he's like, congratulations. To 100. That's, if you guys know, Ryan, that's a three. He's got a long way to go. Yes, yes, (laughs) yes. That's him. So, I mean, okay, you hang up the phone with him. Mm -hmm. You got... A couple hours probably, right, to yourself. What's, what's going through your head? What are you thinking? Your mom, your husband, your, you know, your, your job, you've got all these things. Um, to be perfectly honest, there was this moment of like, oh, shit, I'm going to be on TV. Do I want to be on TV? And, you know, like um, the like <laughs> the self-doubt. I mean, isn't that funny that like it's like I'm supposed to be victorious because like I made the cut. And then uh, immediately it's like, wait what are we doing? Did you think you were going on a radio show? I I know. I think (laughs) I... So adorable. I was so nervous about like, you know, just, I mean, at this point, like all of my social media was on private because I mean, I'm not... You're private. I'm not, yeah. I'm not a shy person, but I just, I don't know. Maybe it's my age. Like I just never thought about being really that public, I guess. It's called normal. Okay. (laughs) So then um, I think I was just kind of reeling, just thinking about, you know, if I make a fool of myself or maybe I don't have... Sweetheart, you've seen TV. You would have a long way to go to make a fool of yourself. (laughs) You never know. I mean, I just... Kardashians got you beat. There's a million (laughs) other people. Reality TV. You're not on cops, for God's sake. You're going to do fine. I think, I mean, you should have been there when I was feeling this way because I think I was so worried about you know, like you, you are putting yourself on a platform to potentially be, well, I, I will be being judged. I will be judged because it's a, it's a judging competition. Um, and so I was signing up for that. And I just think like it being like on TV, it's just like, you're on camera all the time. Like your face is on all the time, the faces you're going to make, what you're going to wear, how you cook, what you say, how you say it. And reeling honestly see that's my questions was mm-hmm. to you then like because obviously i know you as someone who's very conscious of clothes so mm-hmm. like were they telling you this is what you're wearing mm, so we were in charge of our own wardrobe <sighs> okay so i was i was really relieved but um it was such a chaotic time that like i think it was like the week of when i was about to leave and i was like packing and i I was going through my outfits with my husband. Like, what do you think? And you know, how many like, days are you going to be gone? Um, I think it was like four weeks. Wow. Yeah. Okay, so mom hat. Mm-hmm. How was that going to be? That was actually like the biggest source of anxiety because I had never left my daughter for that long. Right. What, a couple days, maybe? Like a day and a half, I think, right. was the longest I've ever. And I had anxiety then, too. Ask my husband. He's uh, just uh, like, she's fine. Yeah, you had anxiety at the wedding, and she was totally fine. I know. She was like seven feet away. <laughs> I know. Where's she at? I know. Um, and I just... So, I mean, what was what was going through your head? I was so... Oh, my so, God. Oh, my God. Yes, I was just ridden with anxiety. Like, two things. Fully being judged on TV for any and everything, Right. And then also leaving my daughter and 
I just, I kind of articulated to my husband, just like, I don't know how I'm going to do that. Like, what's going to happen? And thankfully, I have an older sister. Mm-hmm. Um, she is 15 years older than me. And, you know, she's really been sort of Opal's stand-in grandma since my mom passed away. Like, Opal never got to meet my mom, but she has spent a significant amount of time with my sister and she's a sweetheart yes and you know she was able to come and uh nanny and like be like a live-in nanny while I was gone and give Opal that like comfort and attention for when I was gone and you know I trust my sister and I just I think if I didn't have her I I wouldn't have been able to do this at all like it just wouldn't be an option because I wouldn't have been able to fully function because I wouldn't have been at ease. What month are you gone now? So I leave in June. Okay. Yeah. And so I, you know, I tell my work, I'm doing this thing, this confidential thing, being like vague (laughs) and mysterious, I guess. Going to the Ukraine. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. And, and people are just like kind of confused. And I'm sure there's employees going like, what? I know. And I think people thought I was like leaving for another job or, I mean, I think, I think they, I don't know what they were thinking, but I just, I was trying to play coy. I'm terrible at it. I'm a terrible liar. So I just kind of play dumb and, and I uh, get on a flight and go to Boston. Off to Logan. Boom. You drop yourself in Boston. and mm-hmm. So you could be as gone as long as four mu- or four weeks or you were gone four weeks. Um, right? Because if you keep winning, obviously you, mm-hmm. or you could be done in a week. It depends on. Yeah. Yeah. So I was gone for three-ish weeks. Okay, so during that, that... spoil anything for people who haven't watched the show? Right, well, we'll, we'll tell. <laughs> uh, during that time, are you allowed to call home? Yes. Okay, so thank goodness. Thank goodness. Yes. That would be the psych evaluation yes. there. Yes, yes. If you couldn't talk to... Ryan's one thing, but you couldn't even hear Opal, then yes. that would be We rough. FaceTimed every day, definitely. Oh, I'm sure. That was one of my first questions. Like, would I be able to have contact with my family? Because... Yeah, mean, yeah, yeah. There are some shows where you like don't have access right, to your you phone. Right, you don't. You don't. Yeah. So, so. three-hour difference, so you got to take that in consideration, mm-hmm. which is kind of more of an advantage for you. Mm-hmm. You can call at 11 o'clock. It's only 8 for her. Mm-hmm. So when you get there, what's your first couple of days like? Well, funny thing is my flight there got canceled, so I had to get rescheduled, and I land like close to midnight. Oh, boy. And I get to the hotel, and you know everyone's asleep, and... I'm kind of, like, left to my thoughts on California time. And, you know, none of us have met each other, so we could have crossed each other in the lobby and not know. Right. You could have flown with somebody and not uh-huh. know, right? Yeah. Um, That's just Gary. That's Sally. I have no yes, idea. Yes, exactly. And we, um, the next day, we we meet in, like, start filming to do sort of, like, um, not a meet and greet, but we just start, like, some interviews and, like, laying down, like, the foundation for the show and... You know, just totally new, bizarre things like getting, like, audio to put mics in and, you know, just trying to pattern my face and figure out this whole TV thing that's so, so unfamiliar to me. Like, I just... Did you have your own hair and makeup person? Mm, No, no. We were all responsible for our own looks. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Okay. So you didn't have your Gina. No, (laughs) no. I wish I did. What is then that scenario for those first couple of days meeting everybody? Well, I mean, I think 
I was just kind of like a deer in the headlights being led like around the building and you know I would get snippets of people like in a interview room and just kind of getting to look at them physically because I haven't had a chance to like talk to them and so I'm just you know trying to size them up looking at their shoes looking at their outfits and you know who they are trying to like guess I mean I've got nothing else right (laughs) and then we finally get put in like holding which is like the area where all of the I guess talent cast members Mm -hmm. are held um, until we actually film. And so we got to actually like congregate and like hang out and sort of get to know each other and introductions. And I think I remember the first day just being so intimidated because there were people there that had um, like thousands of Instagram followers or um, previous like TV show experience. And I'm just over here like uh I designed clothes and I'm a mom and you know like nothing really related besides you know my curiosity and I just felt super intimidated and thinking like oh man like am I in over my head just like you don't know except you know their their experience that they're sharing and I definitely felt did they do any test episodes, just like test filming, or did you go right off the bat, boom? Just right off the bat. Because you got more comfortable as the show went on. Yes. I think you can see that on camera, Oh, yes. <laughs> I know you enough. I've had you in front of my camera enough. I can definitely see, like, the first couple of times you were just, you know, everybody. There were some that were more comfortable, but I could see you and your body language. As it went on, you were like, okay. Uh-huh. It, was, uh, it was very As stressful. the compliments came to, that helped. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, I think I was just trying to find my footing in this whole like space. Um, I think the first or second day of me filming, I, I was like trying to grab something out of the pantry, and I like ran into this like cameraman's camera. I didn't even know. And I, it probably hurt, but I was like so like <laughs> high on adrenaline that I'm like, oh, sorry. And then I ran into the kitchen to like keep cooking and... It just, it's so funny because, like, I don't know, three episodes in, like, I even forgot that they were there, you right. know? Yeah. And I just, it's just funny how fast you acclimated. And boom. Oh, is there a camera crew here? Mm-hmm. A boom mic? Yeah. And Did you get any time in the kitchen to, like, okay, this stove, this oven, this, this is where things are? Like, two seconds. Holy shoes. <laughs> yeah. It, I mean, what you see Because you're the coming from pretty... your kitchen, so you're not coming from a... An industrial kitchen no. stove or oven. And every episode, you're at a new station and a new oven, a new stove because they're they're design they're designated, so you don't you know steal someone's oven. Right, that wouldn't be fair. Right. Well, I'm a, but you know, you're dealing with a gas oven burns quicker and different than your little electric oven, and you mm-hmm. got a bigger space. Mm-hmm. Things are all over the place. You guys are all diving into the pantry at the same time yeah. for different stuff. Mm-hmm. Boy. Oh, that pantry was like a madhouse. Good Lord. Especially at the beginning when there was like 11 of us just like climbing over each other for herbs or salt or whatever it is that's in there that we need. All right, so let's give the cat out of the bag. What's the name of the show? The show is called America's Test Kitchen. The show is called America's <laughs> Test Kitchen Next Generation. Right. Um, America's Test Kitchen has been around for 20 plus years. Yeah, it's been PBS. a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's an institution. Um, just Did like you used huge... to watch it previous? Yes. Um, I would say probably not as devoutly as some of the other cast members, but. Okay. Um, well, you're a mom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There is some time you have to spend with your child. Yes, but um, definitely a fan. Um, 
and um, I just like couldn't believe that they were. It just felt like Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, you know, like we're opening our doors, you know. <laughs> I, I haven't watched a show mm-hmm. that I haven't that that I've known somebody on in a while, and I'm rooting. I was making other contestants villains because I wanted my my hero to win. That's yeah. Thank you for that. Well, we were both. We're sitting on the couch, like shoving popcorn down, going, "Come, geez, get out of the way! Give Christina more time." The, oh, that son of a the bitch! The weekly text that I was getting, it just it felt like it felt like, oh, is this what it's like to have like a sports team to vote for? You know, like it I was. I just had. I hated some people in and out, like, get out of my way, get her, get your bastards. Yeah, it was really interesting. And then I was brokenhearted, but that's just, you know, that's yeah. how it goes. <laughs> <laughs> when, when that first person mm-hmm. gets cut, mm-hmm. or they're, they're, they're holding that name, mm-hmm. what, was, what was your heartbeat rate at? I mean, were you... Uh, it, was, um, it was really sobering, I think, um, with all of the things that were happening just with the cameras and the audio and just filming. I think you almost forgot that it was a competition and that somebody was going home. And so I definitely think it kind of like jerked me back into reality. Like, Hey, this is a competition. Like you gotta keep your head on straight and focus instead of being distracted by all the things around me. Right now. Fashion sense to contestant. Were you thinking like, I need to wear these shoes to be comfortable. I'm running around and I'm going to wear this pants and this blouse. I want to be hanging over a stove. Like, was your mindset (laughs) like that? Or were you like, I got to look cute because that's a part of it. Like, what were your... I think I was thinking, I mean, from a a fashion standpoint is, okay, I'm going to be on TV. And I have a friend who is a stylist and she had asked me questions like, who do you want to be, you know, or it's just more of like, this is a moment where people are going to see your style. Like, what is that going to be? And I, I never thought of getting dressed so strategically. And it's, I wore things that I would wear every day. I wear them now. I'm right. actually wearing the sweater that I wore on the show right, right now. And it was just more of like, like, this is a snapshot of who you are. What does that look like? And I just, I just stopped and I'm like, oh, shit. I think I need to do some shopping just because, you know, like we, we, we get dressed and we live in real time and things are moving, but this is like on camera documented, like revisit. And it's funny you say that too, because when I was packing and I was packing things that I, I wear all the time and my husband was like, what do you want to wear? You know, like, do you, do you feel like this is what is your best self and I'm like I don't have time like I barely have time to like go through this process be a mom work a full-time job and like I'm just like packing basically what's clean and he's like yeah but if you if you wanted to wear like whatever you wanted to wear right now what would it be and I was just like beautiful sweaters and you know like tailored pants or you know all these things and he's just like go and he just like had me like put everything down he's like I'm going to watch Opal, who's my daughter, and, you know, we're going to hang out at home, and you're just going to go on a shopping spree and just, you know, do and get whatever you want. And I, you know, I was just like, is this really happening? It just felt like such a dream, you know? It's like, it's not like I needed permission to buy anything, but just sort of like the blessing to, like, go out there and, like, have at it, you know? Like, buy that, like... Get what you want. Yes, and so... 
Because, I, you know, you can't do like you were at 27. Sure, yeah. you wanted that sweater, you can get it. But yeah. now you're going to be like, well, yeah. Opal needs, you know. A ret- plus, my taste is like a little bit more expensive now. That's the <laughs> other problem, too. Like, oh, I really want that sweater. Yeah. <laughs> How much? Yeah. And it it was so fun, but it was also like high pressure to be like, I have three days. I need to buy, you know, enough outfits or looks or tops to go carry me through the show. But I don't know. I I felt really happy that he kind of like stopped me because I think I was so busy that I was trying to like rush and hurry things. And he's like, stop, like take a moment and enjoy this. Like you love fashion. Like, why not spend the time and the money and just like do whatever you want to do? And I was like, oh my God, this is so fun, you know? So he's like, I called one of my girlfriends. I'm like, I got to go on a shopping spree. Do you want to come with me? And I just like swooped her up like that night. And we just like went no, to the No, I'm busy. Who the hell's going to say that? I know. So that was so fun. And I think I was, I didn't want to be anybody that I wasn't. And okay. I just wanted to be like my best self. And my best self is in some beautiful cashmere sweaters. <laughs> yeah. Did you ever feel what you were wearing hindered you at all? Um, I think I was pretty cognizant of that the whole time. Okay. Like, I knew I was going to wear flats because I was wanting to like have the advantage of like moving quickly around the kitchen and right. not slip. And um, yeah, you don't want to be in stilettos or no. something. But you want to look cute. But you got to be functional. You're moving yes i would say a few things that i wore might have been warmer with like nine ovens on in that kitchen that's the other thing yeah Yeah. but uh i think i fared pretty okay on my fashion choices for the show it was pretty fun and i think like every morning i i would like send like a snapshot to my silas friend just like give me the like green light just so i can like push the self-doubt out you know i just feel like everything's so heightened in that scenario when you realize you're being filmed and i just wanted right. another set and of and you're going to be judged what you're doing what you're yeah. wearing what you're cooking everything yeah it was like am i wearing prada loafers today or like nike blazers and it's like blazers were the ones that kind of carried me through which kept me agile gave me an edge yeah. right <laughs> was there ever a moment you thought oh my god that's it i'm done whatever i made especially in the first like six or seven where you're like i made this and it's not gonna work uh oh, yes Yes. And I can't believe they picked him. I mean, um, no, I was never really too surprised at who won, but I think you like, you're just so nervous to be eliminated that, you know, anything that could go wrong, like just haunts you. And I, I would say the first episode coming out of the gate, I was just so nervous and I just like, didn't want to go home on the first episode. Like, I don't know. I think that was like, okay, my tiny goal is to not go home on the first episode. And then I felt like the deeper I got, the longer I'm like, no, I want to like, I want to win this. I want to stay longer. But um, the first episode is actually one that I ended up winning. Right. And I I was just dumbfounded. I just couldn't believe it. I think I was just so focused on like doing what I needed to do and not going home that I even forgot that I could win. (laughs) If that makes any sense at all. And, like, when they announced that I was the winner of the first challenge, I was floored to be... I was speechless. I just... I had nothing to say at all. I just couldn't believe it. And I just... I think that kind of woke me up, like, hey, like, you're here for a reason, you know? Like, your food nerd facts and experience and curiosity is, like, this is the place to really, like, hone it and use it and 
it just kind of made me feel more confident in my abilities and it's kind of nice to feel like woken up in that way walk me through like a day what was a day yeah what was a day like you're up at like 6 a.m you were eating three o'clock your time Yes, and we had to adjust fast. I think it was like two or three days later we were up. And a hotel breakfast, so we were eating three versions of hash browns, or was it two? Two versions of hash browns, like, every day. Um, And then we we get shuttled over to the studio, and we sit and we wait. And we talk about how nervous we are. And everything is a mystery until you're actually in the kitchen. And so... If you're watching the show and you hear the challenges, like that's when we hear about the challenges and the rules. And like the first time we're in the kitchen was literally the first time we're in the kitchen. Whoa. Yeah. So it was all very mysterious. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's tough. <laughs> and then so how long does the day shoot go? Do you get the whole episode done in a day? Um, usually. So they're pretty long days. Yeah. Like 12 hours. Which is funny because you watch it, it's 24 minutes long or whatever it is, yeah. right, with the it's breaks. <laughs> yeah, and then you're like, how in the hell do they get 14 hours out of this? Uh-huh, and then we get home, and then we wake up and do it again. Yeah. yeah. There was a lot of, um, I mean, our adrenaline was so high, we, me and a few of the contestants always joke that we are trauma bonding <laughs> because it was just such an experience, you yeah. know? And we were all going through it together, and, and yeah. Some of them have become like one, some of my closest friends too. Funny how that works. Yeah. A little trauma really yeah. bonds people to like. <laughs> yeah. We're gonna we're gonna keep in touch. Yeah, and we're such a we're such a mixed bag of people. Like you really were. <laughs> I, it was really was a mix, mixed bag. Now, the, I thought the ratio numbers were a little odd on how they pick some people. Hmm? Like, some people had seemed had more experience. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes. Like, did you probably have the least in a real restaurant or food setting? Um, I think so. I think there was one or two of us that didn't have any food experience in that way. But and you yeah. had your Venice experience, but that's about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. In a little bakery shop. But, mm-hmm. but some seemed like they had done. Well, some of them were um, like personal chefs or right. like went to culinary school or, you know, food adjacent things. But... The majority were home cooks. Is there anything when you're cooking against someone who's like gone to a culinary school where they're referring to something, talking about something, and you're like, I don't know that measurement, or I don't know that ingredients, or I'm not sure how you, is that supposed to be on this heat or that heat? Like, I think when I was in there, it was more of like nerves that made me forget things that I knew I knew, you know, okay. like you do this all the time. Like, why aren't you using a meat thermometer? Like what? <laughs> Like it's right there and you're just, you're spinning because the nerves and the time, that clock just makes me feel like half of my brain doesn't work. And yeah, you so, got a hostess walking up talking to you. Mm-hmm. Hi, Christina, what yeah. are you cooking? How are you doing? I think the biggest... Shut up, woman, I'm trying <laughs> to cook. <laughs> I think the biggest thing that I saw experience-wise is the contestants that had like TV experience from previous... That helps. Um, like shows or doing demos, um, you know, a lot of these people have been really well versed in that and feel so comfortable in front of a camera or have been in front of a camera. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that really showed because they were just a lot more calm, cool and collected, you know. 
I saw that for sure. When your name's called mm -hmm. in the wrong way, mm -hmm. what's going through your mind? Oh, I'm like, shit, I'm going home. I'm going <laughs> to see Opal. Like, it's fine. Like, I'm already trying to, like, you know, rationalize it in my head. Like, okay, it makes sense. Like... Um, Peace but, out, people. I'm out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think, I think for me, like being away from Opal was just so hard the whole time that that was always like, well, if I go home, at That's least I prize. get to go home. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Opal's your prize. Yeah, Ryan. But Opal, yeah. let's get on. The, yeah. let's get on to the baby. I think a big part of um, me leaving too. I had like a conversation with my husband right before I left because I was having a lot of anxiety about just being, you know, putting myself out there and being judged in a competition and you know, in a place where people I don't know can see me and make comments or judge me. And, and I was just so nervous about it. And my husband's just like, what have you got to lose? You know, like if you don't win, you come home to your family. Do you feel like you've life. had an autonomous life making clothes that someone walks by a rack and says, that dress is a piece of shit. You don't hear it. Um, but then someone can also walk by that same rack and be like, oh my God, that, that made my day. You know what's funny is that, like, I'm pretty um, impartial when people make comments about, like, my work because it's all, it's all subjective, right, if you like it or if you don't. And I'm, I'm trying to please the masses. So what fear, what, what's the fear then about someone judging on a TV show? I think it's because it's, like, on a public platform, you know. Like, talk about not being, like, public or, yeah, public on social media. <laughs> like, this is a TV show, where I'm, I feel very exposed because I'm physically on there and doing something that I love. And I'm, I'm afraid that whether it's my own fault or editing or producing that I'm kind of portrayed in a way that is this negative or discrediting. And my husband's like, you've got nothing to lose. Like you come home to your loving family and you yeah. have your successful career. And, you know, and I was just like, Hot damn, you're right. Let's go. You Did know? this process make you better? I think so. I would say the whole process really showed me that I just need to be confident in my skills, you know? Like, I obsess over things just because of my curiosity or because they bring me joy. And that kind of turns into, like, me executing things well or just being really well-versed in different foods or execution of things and I just I think it's because I am self-taught and like I I haven't had an environment where is that it the self-taught thing if you had gone to four years of culinary school you'd be maybe like, perhaps I think it's just like I I've never compared myself to other people in the food space before and so I don't really know like where I would sit and that just makes me nervous because I feel like I have a lot to prove. It's funny how we get so nervous about worrying about what other people think on a TV show. I you're just you're just who you are. Mm -hmm. You're going home to a family. Mm -hmm. You're not going back to prison. Yeah. Right? It's not cool. And Luke. Yeah, I love my job. Yeah, you love your job. <laughs> you're not tarring roofs in Fontana. Mm -hmm. But yet you're so worried about like what some nonsense person might think in Kansas judging you about your cooking skills yeah and they're eating like you know pizza hut yeah <laughs> i mean i guess you never know and i think for me that was the fear is the unknown you yeah. know and I, I see 
I just see like a society that puts so much weight on like comments on social media. Oh God! I think that's why I've remained like private just to su- keep that noise just don't, you contained. Just don't look. You don't yeah, look. and I haven't looked. I've I've uh. I've luckily had a lot of DMs and comments from people who've watched the show that are fans, and you know everyone's been so supportive. And I haven't had my experience with any trolls thus far, which I'm thankful <laughs> for. But generally, in the food space, I feel like everyone's pretty nice and really happy because we're just talking about food. If you get one troll, mm-hmm. he just rips you apart. Mm-hmm. Thanks. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know how anybody does it to take the time to troll. Yeah. Because you got to have something better to do, but just thanks. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And yeah. moving on. I mean, I have some friends that have, like, a large community online, and, you know, some of them love it. And I'm, I just think, like, man, you, you must be tough. But I think I'm realizing that I'm quite tough myself. When you opened up your your social media Mm -hmm. did you see your numbers increase because of the exposure on tv yes i think um i just kind of it was very quiet when i like went public and it was because for the casting process they have to like look at everything and i was like okay let me just change it and you know i didn't think much of it but once like the show started airing i think it's like quadrupled i mean my my followers are pretty low but it is but isn't it interesting people would like watch the show Uh uh-huh and then be like, oh, I'm going to... Yeah. Christina, Fair, P-A-J. Mm-hmm. Oh, that, that must be her. Yeah. Because there's more than just you on there. They're the same name. Mm-hmm. And they found you, they clicked, and they followed. And they have been generally so supportive and nice and... and Your food was scrumptious. <laughs> That's so good. Well, just, you know, people love sharing the love of the food. I'm just like, oh, like, this. I do want to be part of this community, you know. How? What do you want to do? I want to do so many things, especially now that I've gotten over the fear of like saying what I want out loud. I just feel like the second that I physically said it out loud, I'm like, oh, wow, I can do this. And Do you feel ready for a new chapter? I do. I feel like I'm not in a rush and I think it'll come together organically. And I'm, I'm not like, I'm not anxiously trying to get away from anything like my job currently but I know that I'm so excited for like these possibilities that are kind of coming forth since sure. this opportunity um, I'm, I'm bringing back my separate club and a more like formal outlet um, I would have these sort of like dinners with friends or friends of friends and curate like a menu very much like I was inspired by food shop in a small way and like I think I always wanted to do something like that but I really never had the courage until after I put myself out there on tv and now I'm like you know what (laughs) I'm gonna do this and so I have two dates planned for the spring for um, the lip service supper club so I've kind of coined this lip service, which is also the handle of my Instagram. It's kind of like a word of mouth, like curated taste experience. And I will plan a menu around different themes or seasons or whatever the inspiration very much like. Now, is this only open to friends? Um, I would say it's definitely friends and just people in the small community. And it'll be all word of mouth because the, the seatings are really limited. 20 people max and... You know, it's all, 
you have to be someone that is open-minded about food. Right. You know, because it definitely is an entire experience outside of the menu. Um, But, yeah, I think if you are in my community of food love, like, you will become a friend and (laughs) participate in that. Um, Yeah, I think I'm working on the menus right now. Uh, One of them is going to be based off of... um, an idea that I'm calling barbecue-ish. Okay. Um, it's going to be kind of a collab between me and my husband. He he has family in Texas, and he is obsessed with Texas barbecue. Um, Good man. Good yes. Man. I mean, I mean, I may offend some people, but I just nothing beats Texas barbecue. <laughs> like I haven't found like whenever I see t- barbecue in California, I'm just like a little weary because it's it's never really satisfied like what I was looking for when I have had barbecue in Texas. Where's his go-to place in, in SoCal for barbecue? We don't have one, sadly. Like it's our backyard. So he, does it he himself. yeah, he cooks brisket on charcoal in our backyard. It's yeah. amazing and you know, he's always learning like new techniques and tricks on like how to improve it. But um, so with him cooking brisket, like it's kind of made me inspired to do a menu revolving around like a California barbecue menu, but with Texas execution. And so like um, we would do something like brisket taquitos with like microgreens and pickled onions and like crema and like a chipotle um, sauce and maybe do like a play on like a barbecue with a elote because you know Mexican food is so prominent in California. Yeah. So just like just marrying, <laughs> yeah, marrying like food menus and technique from like Texas and just doing this hybrid kind of like fun, playful menu since it's getting warmer and like dine outside under the stars and just really set a vibe and have like a a full menu all the way through dessert with the cocktail pairings. If someone comes from out of town mm-hmm. and you can take them to one restaurant, where do you take them? Oh, man, that's really hard. In Orange County. Let's say that you have to stay in Orange County. Okay. Um, I would say um, there is a little restaurant called LSXO, which is this tiny little speakeasy vibe um they serve vietnamese food and it's a it's like a modern take on vietnamese food and it's in this tiny little i think there's maybe like six tables in there and they they have like hip-hop music playing and it's like i believe it's reservation only but it's like on the beach facing the ocean you sit down for dinner and you have like really fun Vietnamese food and you have like a sunset view so you kind of get everything if you're coming from out of town you get good Asian food that's playful and then you have like the beach in front of you what's your favorite place to go to in Little Saigon if you get to go oh man so many places I would say there's two there's um you only gave me one but I'm giving you two (laughs) Um, there's a place called uh, La Croissant Dior. I don't know if that's Dioré. Pronunciation's never been my strong point, but um, they are really popular for their uh, beef stew. Mm-hmm. So it's really rich beef stew um, that you would eat either over noodles or they give you like a warm baguette and you dip it and it has like carrots and um, cilantro, limes, like really balanced flavors. And then they also have amazing Vietnamese chicken curry that's like super tender and their curry broth is just so 
unctuous dipped in bread as well. And they have like sweet potatoes that are so tender. It's just like, you just have to try it. It's like hard to explain. And then the other place, I have to look up the name for you, but you can get a giant catfish that's been broiled with like, uh, like scallion oil and fried shallots on top with peanuts. And they cook the whole fish and it comes out and you can order like small, medium, large, depending on your party. Full and crispy from every inch covered in toppings and they bring out um rice paper and like all the accoutrements and you build your own spring rolls and there's like a duo of sauces and you kind of choose your own adventure but it's like tender catfish and then the skin's like super crunchy and then there's like peanuts and shallots on there yeah and you just oh it's just it's a party for sure Ooh, that sounds good yeah Yeah. that's not bad yeah it's so fun and you know, surprisingly healthy. There's so many vegetables in it, and, like, the fish is crispy on the outside, but relatively light. Vietnamese food is pretty healthy, though, right? It's Generally, not, it's yeah. It's not, we, like, bad southern grits and gravy kind of food. It's Yeah, relatively, I would say it's a little bit less heavy because we have so many greens and vegetables served with it. And that's the thing about Vietnamese food is, like, you know, the flavor of the food is one thing, but half of it is, like, how you eat it. Like, how you decide to roll your spring roll with what kind of vegetables mm-hmm. and the sauce you dip in it. So, like, every experience can be totally different depending on who makes it. Yeah, there's a pho place off of Hazard. Mm-hmm. It's so good. 79? Yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. That's so good. <laughs> if there's a number in the pho restaurant, like, you're probably in good hands. Now, that represents the district, right? Uh, Doesn't that what it's supposed to mean? I've never actually ventured to figure that out. I thought that's what I was told. Like, that That means the district of where it's kind of, like, from in Vietnam. Maybe. I'll have to. Now I'm curious. I'll have to look that up. You should know. But if there's a number in the restaurant, like, it's already pretty good. That's legit. Yeah. It's good. Yeah. If their menus are laminated, that's probably a good Mm -hmm. sign, too. Yeah. (laughs) It was good. What's the future? The future is bright and so many possibilities. I just, I think. I feel fearless now, I guess, after my experience on the show. I just feel like I could do anything, and I kind of feel like I'm on the cusp of doing everything. <laughs> the Supper Club, I'm I'm jarring some of my chili crisp just to Ooh. send out to my friends. I'll have to get you a jar. Um, I've sent some out for Valentine's Day as sort of like a love letter and exploring like a way to like manufacture it so I could maybe produce higher volumes of it. Mm. Um, the supper club I'm so excited about and just kind of really reaching out to this community that is emerging from this whole experience and then um, actually working on uh, some kids books so I just I just think I'm just going for it you're gonna draw it write it what are you gonna do Um, I'm working on um, the book itself writing it right now and um it's written. I just, I'm kind of exploring creatively what I want it to look like and how I want the story to be laid out. But I'm really excited. There's multiple ideas buzzing around, but one definitely is going to be revolving around food and um, like part of my Asian American heritage. So I'm just so excited because all of these things are passion projects and things that I am doing because I want to and not because I have to. And there's like, there's like a beauty in it that I didn't realize was so important. Would you do the show over again? 
I would. I think I would. So it didn't scar you that bad. No. I mean, it was definitely a lot of trauma because <laughs> I was so nervous. I think the producer was like, how did you feel? And I'm like, nervous. And I just, I've made so many. Did they do an extra interview? Yes. Okay. Yes. Ugly cried there too. But um, I made such beautiful friends and people that I can kind of share this like food journey with. You know? I mean, it could be really scarring. Yes. Especially you being a parent, like that could have been really tough on you, mm-hmm. you know, and then the loss and being competitive or not competitive mm-hmm. and the pressure and the TV's everywhere and you're mic'd up and there's all kinds of things that could just make you just like lose it. Like, eh, this is not for me. Yeah. This, this whole like TV experience, I think, I don't even know if I could have imagined it to go better. You know, I, that's good. I mean, spoiler, I, I didn't win, but I just don't know if I could have asked for anything more from it. I just... You didn't crap the bed. No. You didn't embarrass yourself, <laughs> right? Yeah. You, you won. Yeah. Right? You won mm-hmm. the fir- first episode. Mm-hmm. You made some good stuff. Yeah. You made good friends. Yeah. That's not bad. No. I mean, yeah, you, sure, you would have loved to win and got a little show, right? And there was yeah. some cash involved. And yeah. All kinds of things. But, but I'm honestly so genuinely happy for I mean, think the about that. Think about, yeah, of course you wanted to win. You're competitive. Mm-hmm. How would that have changed your life in a way? Boom, that's a really difficult, different yeah. conversation with Ryan now. Yeah, I don't know. Right? I mean, luckily uh, I didn't Opal, have to think about it. You're going to be writing a mommy dearest novel about <laughs> me because I'm gone. I mean, yeah. that really would have been a total change. Yeah. As much as this really kind of evolved you. Yes, yes. I, yeah. I Especially know. if it's not in L.A. Mm-hmm. It's in LA. Yeah. Mommy has to drive to Burbank. Yeah. Mommy has to do a show in Boston three times a year or whatever yeah. it became. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Yeah. I'm frequent flyer miles for sure. Yeah, but think about how your head would have been. Am I crazy? I'm tired. <laughs> how was this for your first podcast? Um, first TV fun. show? First I know. podcast? First, so a bad. lot of firsts. Yeah. I know. Look at me. I'm just out here. Mrs. Private, no longer. (laughs) (laughs) Opened up. Where can people find you? So your handle was? My handle is the lip service. It's the lip and then service, S-U-R underscore V-I-S, lip service. How did you get that one? The name. I think I wanted to do something outside of my work that was sort of... um, service oriented where I could kind of curate and bring and share things with people. I think when I thought of it, I wasn't sure if it was going to be food, but here we are. And I think the lip service was taken. And so we went phonetically and it's kind of sexy. So we're just going to roll with it. What's harder to make a meal or a dress? Mm, A meal's more fun. How's that? (laughs) You can enjoy it with people. Yes. But you might look great in the dress. Yes. But sharing food, I think, has brought me, like, the most joy. And so that's why we're here. (laughs) When you cook, do you think of mom? Because there's sometimes you cook stuff and you'll say, my mom did this, my mom did that. Yes. I think I love it because when I cook and it's something that either she's done or she's inspired me to do, I get to, like, talk about her. And so it kind of brings her into, like, the present. And then I get to share it with my daughter and my friends and my family. And it just makes her feel like she's with me in, like, a whole other way, you know? Yeah. It makes you kind of appreciate her now when you sat and yeah. had that meal when you were 17, just like, ah, I know. When she's like, oh, you should have helped me. And I'm like, oh, I should have because I probably would have figured out how to do this. <laughs> I would've, this would have been so much easier. Mm-hmm. 
thanks, Mom. Yeah. Yeah, but you're 17. You don't know any better. Yeah, I didn't. You're just running around <laughs> like a fool. Thanks for this time. Thank you. This was awesome. I got to watch you on TV and cheer and holler and scream. It's not wild, me Dis- on TV. Dislike a bunch of people. <laughs> Appreciate it. <laughs> Stay away from her, <laughs> bastards. <laughs> no, nah, this was great. I'm glad. I'm, I'm. I'm glad you got the experience and you. You know, you had a good time. I know a lot of people on TV and it's miserable. Oh. They did not have good experiences just because it crushes their soul. Oh. It's hard. Yeah, it's lucky just, me. I guess. Yeah, I mean, you came out unscarred with friends and at least an experience. Yes, and, and I'm so excited for a life. glowing new chapter. Yes, I mean, right? Yeah, isn't it? Is that kind of crazy to you? Think it's about wild. it. Wild. This is not how I I imagined it would happen, but here we are. Donnie or Jordan <laughs> never told me this was going to happen when I met you. <laughs> Thank so you. Well. This has been great. Thanks, Matt. You're the best. You're the best. <laughs> Thank you for listening to my conversation with Christina Pham. If you enjoyed the episode, please click the like button and become a subscriber to the podcast. Remember, you can follow the Just Good Conversation podcast on Instagram, and you can find all of our past shows on the website at justgoodconversation.com. Thank you for listening.